Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. To say the last year has been weird for sports would be an understatement on the order of sticking a fork in an electrical socket is a bad idea, or Yankees fans are a tad overbearing and annoying. And for sports entertainment, it's been even more strange with empty arenas, pumped in crowd noise, and wrestlers walking out to do their normal shtick, playing to a crowd that isn't there. However, WrestleMania returned this past weekend, and along with it came live, honest-to-goodness human beings watching it happen live. So, to commemorate this auspicious occasion, we figured it was worth our time to check out what madness Vince McMahon decided to inflict on humanity and break it all down in this episode 62, The Curse of Tampa. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the person who once tried to fly from a third-floor dorm window wearing nothing more than a replica Jim Rice jersey and a bedsheet. He is the giant machine to my super machine. It's too bad we gotta work under these masks because we're just so damn pretty. I give you the man they called him. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? You know, I can't say I'm doing too bad. And how about yourself, sir? It's been a day. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the bourbon drinking light and said, unbuckle the seatbelts. Who cares if we crash? Just... Don't don't just make sure we hit something hard. I don't want to limp away from this, as Ron White says. <laughs> <laughs> just take her oh, down. That's right. I'm, I'm well. How are you, sir? Uh, well, you already asked me. That's how well you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And for the third time, how are you, sir? Uh, doing all right. Kind of getting a little concerned about you, though. Uh, right. So before well, we dive we too far into this show, can you name the tag team? I believe they were just simply called the machines, weren't they? Uh, they are. However, in order for you to accomplish this task, I'm going to need you to actually tell me who the machines were under the masks. Because part of the gimmick was that it was really obvious that these weren't just your average jobbers. Yeah, the, the only one I remember being obvious just because of his sheer size and bulk was, was Andre the Giant. Correct. And that was a giant machine. I mean, so cleverly named. Yeah. So cle- well, well, because no who would have thunk? Because the story at the time was like, like Bobby Heenan had pulled some shenanigans. Evil shenanigans. And I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Andre couldn't. I forget what it was. It was like it, not that he couldn't wrestle. It was something weird. Like he was banned for like, you know, six months or something like that. Well, this is the way that they wrote him off of TV and uh, off the road in order for him to film The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I thought The Machines was just like some like poor man's excuse to bring him back, but just under a mask. And <laughs> Well, it kind of was. I mean, it was the way that they kind of, it was, it was, and apparently he got that idea from when he was wrestling in Japan. Again, I actually read the Wikipedia page for this, and I'll, I'll post that in the show notes because it is kind of fascinating. Now, yeah. of course, that's a super obvious one. Do you know who is Super Machine? 
I unfortunately do not. Uh, I, I'll just throw Haku in there because they did end up, uh, the two of them did end up winning the tag titles from Demolition later on as Andre and Haku, but I, I don't know. Who, who was it? Well, odd that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Demolition because it was none other than Bill Eady, otherwise known as Axe from Demolition. Ah, very nice. It all comes around, baby. It all comes it around. Does. It does. Oh, it's a small boy. world in wrestling. Yes, it is. I mean, I wouldn't want to paint it, but it is a small world. So, uh, <laughs> since we're going to be talking a whole lot of wrestling, let's uh, let's just kind of shortcut this one and let's get right into the week in geek. The week in geek. Feels so funky. Now, uh, just so everybody knows, as as Timmy was saying earlier, this this has been a day for him. So I uh, I actually am the mastermind behind the Week in Geek. And man, let me just tell you, you do a really good job at this because I think this one stinks. So feel free. Oh, to come on in. now. Feel free come to on. send your complaints to Tim at freerangeedc.com oh, for go. this. <laughs> Please this do. Utter, this utter uh, derision of the segment, which you usually uh, do so well with. Uh, but first item, we have a couple, a little Marvel-centric here. And uh, and uh, I thought this was kind of appropriate since we were going to talk wrestling and we've talked a lot of kind of Star Wars lately. So why not get get a little of that Marvel content in here? Uh, you mm-hmm. do real, remember uh, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got introduced to a little place called Madripoor, correct? Mm. Yes, yes, and apparently uh, Madripoor is a bigger deal in the Marvel Comics universe than what I really remember from my time of reading comics. But uh, the idea now is, uh, could Wolverine be hiding out in Madripoor? Ah, could he be? I don't know about you, but this is starting to smell a whole lot like, you know, that person there is Mephisto. It's. it's I was just going to say, is, is, is this, this show's version of Mephisto now? Jeez well, Louise. it's now like the MCU version because the, the, this comes from, what is this, Screen Rant, I think? Yes. So the idea of uh, this is how there could be an intro into uh, an entree of Wolverine into the MCU because now that they've introduced this place and that it, it is a kind of a place in the MCU uh, world, that at one point Wolverine is actually hiding out there and he changes his identity and and I love the description of this where they're like he needs to change how he looks so people don't recognize him so he slicks his hair back and he wears all white and has an eye patch and guess what his name is uh, patch. Baron Zemo oh <laughs> no just just patch patch huh ah I was say it's one of the one of the weaker storylines you're gonna find. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, well. I was going to say, he, he really went for the creative name on that one. Very well, nice. I mean, when you have adamantium closet shoot out your hands, you don't really need to be all that creative. You just kill whoever laughs at you. Um, but, Fair enough. So what do you think of this? Do you think that's a plausible thing? Because i got to tell you, I'm, not, I'm a little dubious. Uh, I'll just say this. I'm, I'm thankful that we did not have any X-Men-based uh, uh, real or jabroni uh you know, decisions to make when, when we did this, because uh, I think you and I both got burned by that during WandaVision. We thought for sure, uh, you know, part of it was under, you know, was somewhat understandable with, uh, you know, with Quicksilver being in there and, and the, the idea that, you know, this would be the way they crossed over. But I don't know. I, you know, it seems like they're trying to find a way to, 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 to bring X-Men into this. Uh, it, it would make it kind of interesting, um, you know, given the fact that, Really, the only supernatural kind of aspect to the show has been the the super soldier serum, 
the triple S. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to, to have, you know, if you, if you had Wolverine show up kind of toward the end there, it'd be, that would, it would be interesting, but I also feel like it would be somewhat of a distraction and not really, you know, pertinent to the story that's being told. So yeah. I, that, that, that's where I'm kind of feeling like, eh, I don't think this is going to be it. Um, I did see another article that mentioned something about a restaurant name that they showed when they were in Madripoor, and that got all the X-Men fans fired up because apparently that restaurant was a name from, I guess, the X-Men comics that was pretty well known in Madripoor or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess Madripoor plays a fairly uh, substantial part in x-men lore yeah which yeah. I, I i don't remember i remember i i read some x-men comics but i was not as avid a collector and reader as i guess i should have been because i've i've heard this place i'm like I don't know. <laughs> and uh yeah so but i don't think they're talking about it necessarily uh wolvie kind of showing up in uh falcon and winter soldier but the idea that now that they've established this place sort of like a sword ah, with wandavision that this is eventually mm. where they could kind of bring the x-men out of you know Gotcha. gotcha. So I I think it's somewhat plausible, but I I also think it's like it's just another head fake and or, or yeah. is it just another like people looking for stuff that isn't probably there. Yeah, um, probably. And the next item here is uh well you know I mean hey since we're already talking Madripoor up uh, why not have Magneto hanging out there too because I mean what's what's a couple you know mutants between friends? Uh, Batman's got to have his Joker. Yeah, uh, and this is a, a basically another little bit from Screen Rant because apparently they love them some Madripoor. Uh, that there's secretly just teased uh, the MCU secretly just teased Magneto's X Mansion. So the idea Ooh. that Magneto has his own mansion in Madripoor, and the idea that Baron Zemo, when they asked him, "Do you have a contact there?" and he kind of raised his eyebrows, he didn't really answer, and then then eventually finding out that he doesn't know who who the power broker is. So it's gonna. It's probably someone else that he knows. The idea being that maybe he knows Magneto, and uh-huh. uh, apparently in the comics that at one point he was harboring some X Men from a different timeline or a different. I don't know if it's a different universe or whatever, uh, but that they were hiding out there in his mansion in Madripoor. Interesting. Interesting. Again, it's a. It is a thin, thin, thin fraying thread. But hey, why not pull on it anyways just for the heck of it? Because what else the thread's good for? You know what's not in the real and the jabroni is the power broker. That is true. We have zero about the power broker in that. (laughs) Yeah, we got nothing. We got nothing. Which, again, is very on brand for us. It is free-range idiocy. (sighs) Well, it it shows there's an opportunity for rumormongers.com to... uh... Oh, we oh man, we are missing so much money. Oh, we are missing so much money. It hurts. It hurts my soul. Oh, well. All right, final final item for this abridged and brief, blessedly brief uh, version of the Weekend Geek. Uh, there's a new Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer now. Oh, don't get too too excited. It's essentially the same trailer as before but they give you kind of like a like 30 to 45 seconds uh, it's it's under a minute of new footage before they go into the the proper trailer that we've been seeing now for like a year or so um, uh, interesting and this focuses on Paul Rudd whatever his character's name is 
And, you know, I don't want to spoil this. Have you seen this at all? I have not. Like, you putting this in the Week in Geek is my first exposure to this being around. Okay, well, let's just say it's Paul Rudd and a character that we're, we are all kind of familiar with from the first Ghostbusters movie. So I'm going to leave this one a little mysterious. I'll put it in the, in the show notes, and uh, you all have to check that out because it's pretty cool. Um, and Is it the dude from the EPA? <laughs> uh, no. What was his name again? Oh, my gosh. We talked so much about him. Crud. Walter Peck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Uh, uh, from the Environmental yeah. Protection Agency. Yeah. And you, Lenny, will have saved the lives of millions of eligible voters. Uh, I love that. I love how I love how just absolutely just unabashedly crooked the New York mayor is in <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yes, like, yes. Not even trying to hide it whatsoever. Nope. It's like, are you sure that this isn't Chicago? Because he, <sighs> he has a vague whiff of Chicago politician about him, you know? Mm-hmm. I could definitely see, like, the subheading on his posters be, vote early, vote often, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, my goodness. That's but anyways, funny. that is The Weekend Geek. Well, thank you, sir, uh, for, for stepping in, uh, in in the absence of my doing anything of any values. <laughs> oh, no, you were you, you were very valuable. You're 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 parenting. You got you got a you got a kid heading off to college. You got a whole lot of th- you got many more things to worry about than I do right now. Uh, it is an exciting time. It is an it, exciting time. Now, you saying that sort of like that ancient curse, may you live in interesting times? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. Good answer. Good answer. All right. So, sir, how are we going to do this? We, we've, got a, we've got two nights of WrestleMania to go through here. And uh, I got to say, this, this felt like, like uh, Mount Everest to, 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 to get through over the weekend. Yes. It's, it's you know, six hours of insanity. Well, um, it actually it was more because if you count if you count the pregame, uh-huh, you know their yeah. their lead in show. I mean, you've essentially got you're watching uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League twice in yeah. one weekend. Yeah, and that's without the rain delay. Yeah, and we had the lovely rain delay on Saturday, <laughs> which was great because I I love this. Like I had completely forgotten uh, about starting WrestleMania on time. I was had some friends over. We were sitting out uh, by the fire pit. I was having me a few bourbons, and uh, I was I was loving life. And and Tim texts me. He's like, "Hey, are you watching?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I was supposed <laughs> to be watching WrestleMania." <laughs> I'm like, "No." It's like, "Oh, You're there's welcome. a rain delay." I'm like, "Oh what?" Yeah. Oh, yeah, Florida outside in the spring. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Um, so a little yeah, thunderstorm. As it was, I I did not start all that far behind. Thanks to Mama Nature, you know, mm-hmm. uh, throw me a solid. So that was nice. But you did watch the through the rain delay, didn't you? What, what I did. There, there, there was just a lot of. They were jumping around to all the different, you know, participants for the evening, just having them probably do, you know, kind of on the spot promos, um, or or potentially, you know, like like promos they were going to do before heading to the ring, and they just kind of fast tracked it into, you know, doing mm-hmm. them all that way. But I'll, I'll be honest, the one that was actually really, really well done, I thought, because it just felt. You know, it, it just felt kind of real and it felt kind of raw, not 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 because of, of actual animosity between the two of them. But 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 they first cut back to, to Bobby Lashley. And I got to imagine as as the guys getting ready to go out there, it's probably, you know, it's it's going to impact them the most, because if, if, if you're not I mean, not not that I'm a, 
you know, a backstage guru with this stuff, but I've watched enough documentaries to, to know that these guys, especially the ones that are getting ready to head out there have, have you know, obviously gone through their warmups. They've, you know, stretched, they've, they, they're, they're, they're ready to get out there and do their thing. And now to have to wait, your body's cooling down, your, your muscles are now starting to <laughs> contract yeah. again. You know, it's like, you know, so there's probably some frustration and it was great. Like, like Lashley was fired up and then McIntyre just kind of walks onto the set and they just, they get in each other's faces and McIntyre's fired up. He's like, I want to get out there. And just, it was just like, it just felt like this like genuine like moment of like two guys are like, we want to go out there and throw hands. So well yeah it's like, well mean, it's 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 lightning out i don't know that that would be the right time yeah i mean you kind of well we've seen this for for years with pitchers during a during a delay and they always ask you know when a, when you come back from a, a rain delay in baseball how's that going to affect the pitcher was the pitcher able to stay warm what you know they're going to be able to yeah. get back into the game i mean that's pitchers are naturally kind of finicky creatures anyways i mean my goodness yes you know i mean i, I would imagine somewhat of the same of that applies and then you that's before you even get into the idea of like oh and by the way everything is going to be slippery now mm-hmm. enjoy <laughs> try not to drop anybody on their head okay yes and and i'll i'll have a little bit on that as we get into the first match of the night but um yes but yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it was just, they, they just jumped around to different participants and they kind of did, did, you know, some vamping and some, you know, just uh, hype of, of their particular contest. And and then, you know, they would do about one or two of them. They cut back over to Samoa Joe and Michael Cole, who were, you know, who, who went from looking like, you know, they like they, they weren't sitting at, at, at their broadcast table, just standing in their suits. And then literally, like, the next time they come around to them, they're, they're basically in... Um, not smocks. What 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 do you call it? Um, oh, the ponchos. Ponchos. So, which <laughs> which I got to tell you, the sight of Samoa Joe in a poncho is pretty funny. So that's a that's a damn big poncho. He is not a little person. Like I mean, I'm just talking uh, like in terms of like his frame is just he's just a gigantic square yeah, with yeah, a head. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he is just a very boxy looking dude. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So he they 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 just kind of dealt with it that way, and you know if 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 they've proven anything that they're very good at at pivoting and being you know kind of adjusting to what gets thrown at them. Um, and uh, and and you know what was kind of interesting was um, they. You know, when they started it out, uh, they, they did this thing where they had the entire roster for that night out on the stage. And, you know, Vince was out there and uh, and and just kind of, you know, acknowledging the fans, acknowledging, you know, kind of finally having them. You know, this is the first time they've had, li- you know, fans live at an event in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of doing a, a typical Vince, you know, welcome to WrestleMania sort of thing. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it was was neat. You know, it was it was it was cool to see the the reaction. Um, you know, you could see some some of the wrestlers were getting a little emotional. I think you know for them, you know, having performed in front of canned, you know, canned cheers or boos and and you know a bunch of screens that it's mm-hmm. probably you know rewarding to get back out onto the stage and actually hear kind of the live crowd breathing and 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 cheering and you know just being present. So yeah, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. Now, do you think this this was a? Do you think Vince was kind of pulling his hair out a little bit, after after months and months and months of being able to have everything controlled and and we've we've joked before about how Vince is loving this idea of like piping in crowd noise and getting exactly yeah. the reaction he wants. Do you think he was just freaking out like all of a sudden now it's like the reality of like oh my gosh I can't control everything now it just kind of came back to him all at once. 
Uh, probably, um, you know, especially when it came to the Roman Reigns match, because it's fun to he, think he, about it, isn't it? It is. Uh, he, he just hasn't been able to get the right reaction out of the crowd for, for Roman Reigns. But, uh, that, that did not happen. That did not happen to last night. Uh, he Reigns was, was, was roundly booed as he typically is. And he was treated as the bad guy that he is. So mm-hmm. Vince, Vince finally scored one. So. Yeah, well, I mean, eventually, yeah, you get take enough shots. You should. No. They all can't be winners. Uh, no, no, they can't. No. But all yes, right. once once the rain delay ended, we, we dove right into the first match of the night. Yes, indeed, which I kind of caught up with later because for whatever reason, Peacock's app, at least on the the combo of, of the of Peacock's uh, streaming app, along with Apple TV, because Apple mm-hmm. TV has that weird little controller where it has like the trackpad on the top of the remote, which is 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 really good and yet can also be extraordinarily frustrating because the thing is so bloody sensitive. Yeah. It's like you breathe on the thing and the next thing you know, okay, here, all right, all right, story time. G- kids, gather around. Oh, gather around, kids. So Here we go. Uh, <laughs> when, when my Chrome stick finally bit the dust, I, I had to... Uh, my wife had signed up for something and gotten a gotten us an Apple TV for free. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll hook this up and we'll see how it works. So I hook the thing up and I take out the, the remote and I start trying to use it. And my thumb ran over it at a very crucial time in the setup, apparently, which is the language setup. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I've got nothing but like... I have I don't I have no idea what language this is. It was a it was a language from from the uh, from the eastern part of Asia. Okay, I I, I know oh, that gosh. much. Whether it was Vietnamese, yeah. Korean, Chinese, Mandarin, I, I whatever whatever language it is that you're you're looking at characters that if you are an English speaking person or a bad English speaking person like myself, you're you're looking at this going, I got no idea what that says. I can't even take yeah. a guess. You know, like yeah. all of my language training is failing me now because I'm totally unfamiliar with these with these like glyphs, and uh, you know, or the characters, and then it starts talking at me, and I'm like, it's yelling at me or it feels like it's yelling at me because i'm really pissed off now because <laughs> oh, i can't figure out how to do anything and it's yelling at me and like mandarin or something like i just want to watch tv i don't want to have to learn another language right now like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so i i it took me for freaking ever as my wife and my daughter are just trying not to laugh at me but are are totally <laughs> laughing at me <laughs> And I'm just getting more and more pissed off, and then it gets more and more ridiculous, and it just kept on spiraling out of control. So that all that to say that when I was trying to use the remote to go back, because it starts you watching live, whereas mm-hmm. on WWE's app, it used to be like, hey, do you want to start at the beginning, or do you want to watch live? It gave you right. the choice right out front. This doesn't. It just starts out like, hey, here we go, boom. And I was trying to backtrack, and it wouldn't let me do it. So I ended up starting off later than this, but uh, I originally I was like, oh, this thing won't let you do this. And then I realized, like, no, I'm just a moron. So <laughs> all of that to say that I watched this, like, Sunday morning because I, I started later on. Anywho, oh, uh, first match of the night was for the WWE Championship. This was a Starting Bobby, out strong. Yeah, Bobby Lashley defending against Drew McIntyre, which... 
I, I, as much as I kind of am digging like Lashley's sort of gimmick here, I am getting like, it's like every time I see him, all I'm seeing is a shorter, more jacked version of Zeus. Like it, 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 it's just becoming more and more evident. Like all he needs is a belt buckle and some shoulder pads and we've completed the <laughs> transformation. You know, like, and, and not there's anything wrong with that, but it's like, it's kind of weird to me, you know? But anyways, that was just something that I just, I had to get out there before I forgot. And then, of course, uh, one of the other notes that I have here is that I was wondering, how many times is Cole going to talk about two bowls going against each other in this match? Because he was on, like, <laughs> hyperbole factor eight to start this thing off. Like, there was, it was like, he sucked down five, you know, eight-hour energies and was just, like, going it was yeah. unbelievable yeah. where he started out. I'm like, he's gonna he's gonna have an aneurysm by the third match. Yeah, it was unreal. Uh, but it, what what kind of stood out to you uh, in this match, sir? Well, first the the you know one thing I, I found really cool was just the reaction when McIntyre's music hit and he came out. Um, mm. You know, through his whole run, he's you know he he's had this distinction of of having his championship run and really his crowning moment be in front of no one. Yeah. And you know, it, it, for him to come out and the crowd to just kind of explode, like you know, you 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 want to think it's it's you know mostly for him. Of course, it's like the first you know entrance of the night, and probably just people are jack you know just excited mm. you know jacked mm-hmm. up anyways. But just to see him come out and get that reaction and stuff, and and was 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 very very cool to see. Yeah. Um, the match itself, I I really enjoyed. I thought it was a good back and forth. I. You know, I, I wrote a note down that, you know, I've, I've seen several of McIntyre's matches, and even though there wasn't really any point in the match that he hit his his finisher, which is this Claymore kick, mm-hmm. um, it never felt like he was able to get going in any sort of velocity that I would have believed he was going to throw it. And mm. that's kind of the point you were getting to a little bit ago with, due to the rain delay, I, I was kind of wondering if he and Lashley were at times – being careful about their footing because it was wet. <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. And and I thought about that when the two of them went outside. I'm like, you know, you could see some some streaking on on the mats where you could see that they were trying to like, you know, clean up the water. We're good streaking. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, dang, that's a really easy way for those guys to tear an ACL or something if they're not care, you know, if they're planting, you know, with one with their, you know, lead or well, most likely with their lead foot, you know, and, and they're mm-hmm. throwing a punch or something like that. That's how I mean. That's how Triple H blew his out. I mean, a lot of guys have have had that injury when they they go to plant to do something, and it, mm-hmm. you know something gets tweaked. So it just felt like there was kind of a at times. I I, I mean, it, it was a very physical match. It was it was a really you know good back and forth, you know, good brutal match. Um, you know, because both guys are, are are power guys, and 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 that was on display. But I just felt like there was kind of a you know, like a step slow to it, but I was wondering if that was just you know due to the conditions because they they were just trying to be careful. So um, yeah, so yeah, so I I, I enjoyed the match. Um, I was actually really happy with the result. I I wanted McIntyre to get a victory in front of a live crowd. That would have been cool, but I'm hoping they're building up to something else for him later on. Mm. The right move was to keep it on Lashley. Yeah, because if they took it off Lashley now, it would really leave his character in a place of okay, well now what? Ne- what what's next? What he's not the monster we thought he was. Yeah, you know? true, true. This match really did a nice job of establishing him 
you know, as, as you know, continuing to, to build the aura of this character, he is now this the like like I love his character, the the almighty WWE champion. I love it. Yeah, that was a uh, cool graphic to start out with. I, I yeah, will say yeah. that. That's so, doing so some I, interesting stuff with him. Yeah, and, and so I, I really I, I thought it was it was the right move to make. Um you know, not that it was pertinent to the match, but you know, he was part of this faction called the Hurt Business, and and there was some some drama leading up to this because the the faction broke up like a few weeks before WrestleMania. It was kind of ridiculous because as as a faction, they they were a very strong faction, and and it was just a great you know act overall. So it was a little disappointing that happened, but I I was I was a little in fear that they broke it up and then they were going to take the title off of him, which just would have completely you know, undone all the good they did for him. But but instead, uh, they, they made the right call and Lashley came out as champ. So I enjoyed this. I actually gave this, uh, well, well, how about you? And then we'll do the star ratings. Good. Here's the thing. I like Lashley. I, I think that, the, I mean, guys, I've said before, he looks like a He-Man figure. He looks like he is one of those, oh, he does. One of those just like action figures from the 80s where it was like before you really knew how bad steroids were, they're like, just give him muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. You know, he just, he looks like, uh, like something out of a comic book or or a cartoon sprung to life, and the way that they're playing his character, I think, is really good. And I think it's it's a it's overall it's a great package. However, two things that really bug me about him: uh, one is that he does not make his offense look that devastating. Mm-hmm. Which to me is, and that's kind of a common theme I think I've found through a lot of the matches here, where I would see these bigger guys and they're throwing these punches, and I'm like, dude, some of like like a cruiserweight is hitting somebody, and it looks more impressive than that. Yeah, and it's and I know it's a work punch and all that, it's fake and blah 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 blah, but some guys just make it look better than others and and with him i just i wrote down like are lashley's punches that bad or is he just scared of staving in someone's skull Mm -hmm. which is a legit possibility when you are that jacked like i get it okay i don't want to really tag the guy because oh my gosh i could put him in a coma you know I, i i could i'm i'm literally yvonne drago sprung to life the other thing is that i know that the opponents are helping each other you know i know it's a dance and you're t- and especially uh, when uh, they did the Broken Skull session with Jericho and Austin afterwards, after night two, and they're talking about dance partners and using that kind of terminology. I know that there's this help. With Lashley, it feels so obvious mm-hmm. that he is being kind of helped through the move or, or whatever, and that he really doesn't bump cleanly. Mm-hmm. Like when he takes a move, a lot of the time it just doesn't feel all that clean. Like some guys, they take a bump. I mean, of course, like Mick Foley. Mick Foley was like the gold standard. Like he was always like, I defy anyone to find me putting my hands down to brace himself or anything. And you know, he'll probably be in a wheelchair within five years. So there's that. But like he's he's <laughs> just. I mean, God God bless. I hope not. Mick is a is a great guy, and uh, you know, but uh, but you know, there are downsides to that. But I think there is a happy medium where you can you can take moves. And not look like you're like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. and it feels yeah. like Lashley, like, like the triple shock or what, what triple future shock, whatever the frigate, like a DET yeah. that, uh, yeah. that McIntyre was doing. He, Lashley took those like crap. Like it uh. just took those like absolute just crap. Did not look good 
whatsoever. And that's just kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, he's this big hulking guy, and but he doesn't really seem to want it. He doesn't take the bumps cleanly to, to help the other guy get over. And then he's not even looking all that devastating and like the punches and stuff that you're going to use as a bigger guy. Yeah. They don't, I don't, I'm not buying it. Like it, it takes me out when I'm like, that looks weak. You know, mm. as opposed to like McIntyre, who's throwing punches. And I know that they're not connecting. I know he's not trying to literally, you know, beat the crap out of the guy. But McIntyre was making it look good. And and yeah. Lashley kind of just yeah. didn't. And that was what was really bugging me. So, but yeah, so that was kind of the, the big thing for me. And then, uh, of course, the, the result in the match, you know, after several attempts, uh, he finally gets the hurt lock or the full Nelson mm-hmm. on McIntyre. McIntyre passes out. Lashley wins and retains. I uh, what, what did you give this one for rating, sir? I gave this one three and a half. I, okay. I, I like the match, but I did feel like there was a, a rhythm problem at times with it that, that I just... It was hard to buy into some of the action mm-hmm. from a velocity standpoint. And like I said, I couldn't tell if it was due to just conditions and they were they were trying to be careful or or what it was. But but when it came to them like locking up and moves and, and all of that, I, I really thought it was it was a it was a great big man kind of match. Um mm-hmm. you know, just, just two two uh you know, just, just two big guys just, just going after each other and and you know, I, I liked how, you know, they, they played up both both guys kind of breaking out of each other's, you know, finishers and out of different, you know, holds and stuff. And then, you know, McIntyre kind of trying to break out of the hurt lock and uh, and and then getting put back into it and just, you know, going out like that. I, you know, it, it was surprising, but but I thought it, it served it served the right story. And so I, I, I really liked it. So I, I put it three three point five. And I also had it three and a half stars. Um I, uh-huh. I think this could have. I think this could have easily been four. However, I originally did it as four, but but the rhythm. As I thought about it, the rhythm part really got me. Yeah, the the well, you know, hey, like Gloria Stefan said, the rhythm is going to get you. And, it um, is. And so, but for me, it was more. Yeah, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from with the rhythm. For me, it was just uh, Bobby Lashley just looking like ass every time he took <laughs> took a move. I'm like. <laughs> Dude, come on! Like, have a little pride in your craft here. I mean, maybe, maybe it was, maybe some of that was legit. Like, you know, there, there's the mat was still damp or whatever, but some of it was like, come on, dude, you've, you've got. Normally, to look he's than good. This. I mean, I mean, nor- normally, and and I'm not, I, I, I don't, I don't 100 percent agree with your assessment, but he is crisper than that, and and I do understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. And and I, I was seeing some of that too, and I I couldn't tell. And again, I don't know if it, if we're if we're seeing some of the effects of the rain delay because these guys are ready to go out there at a certain point. They're mm-hmm. athletes. They they should have the wind. They should have the stamina to get, to, to go out there regardless. Mm-hmm. But something did seem off. You know what I mean? And and I can't put my finger on what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I, I'm I'm blaming Mother Nature, but <laughs> but it could well, no, be. I, I think you're you're right because I mean honestly I. For all for all the nits that I have to pick here, I'm still rather bullish on on uh, Bobby Lashley as mm-hmm. a champion, and um, I, I think it's it's a great great package going forward, man. I hope he has a long title reign because they they could get a lot of good mileage out of him facing uh, a number of guys and and just you know getting a good program out of all of them. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what they do. 
Yeah. And now, of course, we get into our, our first commercial break, which I thought was uh, this is. Uh, first <laughs> of all, I, I and I'll get I'll get a little more into this. But what in the living crap is Bailey doing now? Like she she's like the, the, the like this talk show host sort of gimmick going on. Is that, uh, is that what it is? Because it feels like it. I, I think it was just a way to get her involved in the event because they didn't have okay. her in a match. Okay, uh, but then, then of course, we get into the real commercials, which is I was amazed, and I'm only pointing this out because there was a couple things here that were just too good to pass up. Like, first of all, we get a DraftKings commercial where I'm like, you can now bet on fake sports. Like, seriously, this is a thing. Seems that way, my friend. And all I can think of is it's a gr- it's a good damn thing this wasn't around when we were in college because both of us would have been really <laughs> deep in debt because we would have been totally on board with this. It would have been like we both would have owed money to the wrong people. We probably would not be here right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not but good. Th- but then they had back to back a Papa John's commercial and then five hour energy back to back. And I'm like, maybe you wouldn't need one of those if you hadn't eaten the other. Yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there like a little less of garlic butter and you probably wouldn't need the five hour energy. You know, I, just just my thoughts, my opinion. <laughs> but anyway, I just I needed to point that out because those back to back. I was like, what the heck is going on? What's happening? Yes. Um, all right. Next matchup, we have Tag Team Turmoil, which quite honestly is a great way to phrase this match. Not the way they intended it, though. Um, yes. So I thought this was very interesting because the the op- so basically this is two teams start off and then when one team is eliminated they bring in another team and I I had no idea how many teams were going here I just knew that after a while I'm like I really hope it's not that many and uh, so we start yeah. off with uh, Lana and Naomi versus Carmella and Billy Kay in what I like to call the battle of one person completely being absorbed by the gimmick of the other either yes. that or the battle of the weaves because there was not there was not a whole lot of real hair happening in this match <laughs> there's a whole lot of whole lot of hair donation going on in order to make this oh. first this first pairing happen yes. um wow just uh so anyways uh carmella and billy uh win that with an assisted roll up and then we get to a port- point where i was actually looking forward to because i i kind of dig the riot squad so mm-hmm. they're the next team mm-hmm. in but man, I, I don't I don't know exactly and, and maybe you could help me out here, or maybe this is again another function of the rain. But man, Riot Squad can bump like crazy, but most of their offense looked like complete crud. Did not look good at all. This this is this match for or all, or all of these matches under this one match, train wreck. Just yeah. I, I I felt like there was no rhythm at all. And again, it, it could very well be due to conditions, but it, it was really hard to get invested in any of these matches because, yeah, because there, there was elements of the offense that just weren't weren't crisp, didn't look good, and you know, and and you know, actually, when we get to the the, the third match with Mandy Rose and Dana Brooks, I mean, I think it was Mandy Rose, you know, she actually slipped on the on the entrance ramp. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and, that was, and I actually made note of that because, and there's very few notes for this match, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the only things I noted. I'm like, hey, someone slipped on the on the ramp. Yeah, it it was. Um, so I I'm just wondering if if you know these first couple matches kind of suffered from just you know some conditions where they were they had to be a little more tentative than they normally would be. Um, but well, yeah, I think this yeah. one this one in particular I think is just it's a confluence of Vince McMahon does not like tag teams. 
like legit there's history there does not like tag teams Mm -hmm. and the fact that you have the you have mother nature kicking your butt there too but just there's not that much to choose from because it seems like what the the opening the opening team was those two were those two teams were pretty much thrown together very quickly yeah and i mean honestly two out of four of that original pairing are glorified models like kind of going back to the old school of what you know, we kind of remember, like, Carmella, yeah, she can work, yeah, mm-hmm. Lana, I mean, I work a little bit, but I mean, it just feels like they're there more for looks, whereas, like, Billy Kay seems like she can work pretty well, Naomi mm-hmm. can certainly work, mm-hmm. um, and, and it just, it, it's sort of like, okay, and then, you know, Rise Squad, again, great bumping, but not a whole lot there, and then Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke again, I'm so like, okay, can they work, can they not, who knows, eh, and then you get Natalia and Tamina, who seem like they've just been put together not that long ago. So it's like you're not going to get a whole lot of like actual tag team cooperation right. going. And that that was what this really suffered from. Like I think if you'd had this match with tag teams that are fairly established, which I think is probably the reason why the Riot Squad was in there for so long, is because at least they could bump for the other teams. I mean, they they were at least doing frequent tags. They were cutting the ring in half. They they were doing things that tag teams do. And and I don't know if you and I are suffering from not really watching the shows, mm. you know, out, outside of you know the big events. Because I I don't know if they were if they built any of these teams up. Probably leading up to WrestleMania, they did. But did any of these teams even exist before that point? Probably not. Um, yeah. And if know, they did, really, who cares all that much? Because it, it feels like they're real early on in the gimmick. If they had, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so anyways, let's. Uh, we've already spent way too much time talking about this. Quite honestly, uh, so uh, Natalia and Tamina take it uh, with a superfly splash by Tamina, which I had I did not know that she was the is it daughter niece the daughter whatever. of Jimmy Snooker. Yes. So and of course Natalia is the the daughter of Jim the Anvil Neidhart, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, there they win the tag team turmoil thing and they get to face Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler in night two. So yes. that is that is their reward. Yes. Um, and what did you have for a rating on this one, sir? Uh, I gave this two stars. Wow. Actually, I, I, I feel that's generous. I gave it a star and a half. Oh, and half okay. Of the, and half of that star was, was, was solely, well, actually, no, one star... Oh uh, no! I'll break it down this way: half a star for uh, for the Riot Squad bumping, half a star for whoever fell down on the ramp, and then uh, half a star for the Superfly spat, uh, Splash. Okay. Well, you, you left out the heart attack. They, they 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 did the old heart foundation, you know, where where Tamina was holding up the uh, the opponent, yep. and Natalia did the clothesline, you know, maneuver there. That and that was cool. It would have been even cooler though if if that was set up where Natalia was holding the opponent, and then the other person did the clothesline. Because then it is like a hundred percent legit. Because that was always Anvil's part. That's right. An- An- Anvil was the setup guy. Hitman yeah. was the hitman. So yeah. So, <laughs> but but still, it's like there, was it really that good? No. Okay, so fine. I'll give him a quarter star for each of those moves. It still ends up being the same. I, even I can star. math that. That's I how, give him that's a tenth. 
You know what? It might come down to that. The night is young. So <laughs> next up after that, we have uh, Seth Rollins versus Cesaro for reasons. And <laughs> like one of the only matches that on this that isn't uh, either a gimmick or a, a title match. So I have no idea why this match is happening, but it happened. And did 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 you see the lead up going into the match? Like like the 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 pre match. No. Pro- no, I didn't. You would have found so. it funny. It like like Seth Rollins as the heel is doing basically like this bad political smear advertisement. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, yes, I did see that. I okay. did see that. Okay, yes. And that was actually kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> Jogged my memory a little bit. Okay, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. It's so hard so, to remember all the details because I'm I'm like, this is basically two pay per views back to back. Yeah. Oh, so anyway. you basically have the guy who has made, who has had several, you know, WrestleMania moments against the guy who has never wrestled a one-on-one match in a WrestleMania for as long as he's been with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cesaro, this was his first time in a in a singles match at a WrestleMania. He has been to WrestleMania in the past, mm-hmm. uh, but usually in a in a tag team sort of situation. I really enjoyed this match. Um, there was good back and forth action. You know, Rollins is a worker. Cesaro is is very, has always been very undervalued. Um, sadly, you know, just d- hasn't been seen as as a commodity. I think in Vince's eyes, but I think uh, he's starting to get some attention finally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, the guy just does amazing physical things in the ring. Um, mm. You saw some of those, you know, he, he does a very crisp European uppercut, but he also has this ability to throw a European uppercut out of nowhere. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like when they're moving physically, like physics seems to be getting defied by this man when they're moving toward each other in a way where you don't think he can throw that, that, that uppercut that way. And then he does it. It's hmm. just really, really funny. Along with the fact that he does the very entertaining uh, swing where, where he gets the gets Rollins, uh, you know, kind of in that position and starts spinning around and, you know, holding his legs and just whipping him around. I think he did like 23 rotations in the match, which uh, was a new record for him. And then he did like this weird like spinning, like he had him in a backbreaker over his shoulders and he did this like spinning maneuver where he's like holding him and then he puts his hands on his hips while he spit. It was crazy. I mean, the guy yeah. is just like insane. So it was just, it was a nice, you know, I felt like it, it was a nice showcase of his abilities I felt it was a you know a fun match, a good match. Um, I mean, Rollins had some great offense as well. I mean, he he broke out some. You know, he had the Falcon Arrow. Um, I think did he do it from the top? I thought he did some maneuver from from the top rope. You know, with with Cesaro. Yeah, um, it was like some sort of three hundred and sixty thing, uh, three hundred and sixty splash or something like that. Oh, he did a corkscrew. Yeah, yeah, he did a corkscrew splash. Yeah, which um, the announcers basically were like, you know, almost fell out of their chairs for. Which I didn't. I was not like. I didn't find that impressive. Yeah, yeah. They did, although I mean, Cole. They I think they, they were happy. He, um, he, he damn near had a kitten. It was it was crazy. <laughs> but but you know the 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 teases of you know Cesaro you know his his finisher is the neutralizer and he popped that off a couple times it led to some near falls. Um, so kind of building that drama up and then and then finally you know once he did the 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 23 rotations of the swing and then threw him in I, I don't know how the guy maintains his balance after spinning someone around that many times but he he threw him into the finisher and that was it so it, it was a great showcase for him much deserved and uh and just just a a fun match between two very very good technical wrestlers yeah, and so I, I have to confess, I was watching uh, Brian Zane's Wrestling with Regret um, recap of WrestleMania 4 today, 
and I, it, it kind of made me, I actually went back and reevaluated some of my ratings because I was like, oh, there's been some real craptastic matches in WrestleManias throughout the years. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. really bad. Really bad. And um, so I kind of, I tried to put this into perspective. Uh, there was some good moments, like the, the Cesaro dropkick to Rollins, who was up on the top rope. So he was actually like dropkicking up up at an angle in order to hit him because he oh, wow. it's not like he was he was just going vertical or i'm sorry uh, going horizontal to like hit the guy in chest or, or head height he was actually going up which i was like okay that's kind of impressive and then there was the the rollins uh cesaro was up on the top rope and rollins just like kind of bounced up the ropes like bounced up the corner so fluidly yeah. And, and just bounced up, gets it into a, su- uh, a superplex, and then flows through to the Falcon Arrow. And, you know, then that was a kick out, which I was just like, that's that that was really cool. That's the sequence I'm thinking of. Yeah, the superplex. Okay. So he does the superplex, and then he rolls through. Yeah. Still holding on to Cesaro, and then puts him in the Falcon Arrow, which is essentially, it starts as a suplex. He rotates him, uh, what would that be, 180 degrees, and then drops him on his back. Um, yeah, in in a forward motion. So, um, yeah, that that was that was so impressive. Yeah. Now, so the the thing though is, and this is something that I just kind of, especially after watching like six plus hours of of Vince Vinnie Max uh, WWE endeavors over the weekend, it just felt like this match started the kind of the precedent of hey, everyone's going to kick out of every finisher throughout Mm. both nights it was just every single match people hitting their finisher and kicking out of it and i'm like okay at a certain point i don't care anymore like i know that there the probably the match isn't over because it hasn't been and and like there's it was a lot there was a lot of spots there wasn't nearly as many moments like where there's an actual story taking place and you're kind of seeing it happen and, and kind of like slowing a match down a little bit and then bringing it back up and kind of giving you a little bit of pace to a match, whereas it just felt like boom, 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 and eventually it ends, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it can be kind of fun in sort of a junk food sort of way, but it can also just be kind of meh, okay, I... I don't buy anyone's finisher now. Like I don't legit get excited for it because they're probably going to kick out of it because everybody mm-hmm. else is kicked out of every other finisher all night. And the other thing is like uh, Cesaro, <laughs> Cesaro seems stiff. Both oh yeah, in a good and a bad way. Like yeah. he, like it looks like he's 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 working pretty stiff, but it's also like he does not seem like a very flexible individual. Like it felt like watching him with Rollins. Like the way that Rollins just kind of very fluidly bounced up that turnbuckle and then got right, right into the superplex, as opposed to Cesaro, who looks like kind of like a Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz before they give him the oil sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't know if maybe it's because it's just the juxtaposition of the two of them together and Rollins is just that smooth, or is it just that he's just that not smooth? I don't know. And honestly, the thing is, I can't get so excited about the spinning thing like it it just seemed to me like after a while watching this i'm like okay so apparently cesaro's big skill more than any anything else in his arsenal is he doesn't get dizzy when he's spinning around like that's his that's his that's his his like his big skill and he's going to use that to the nth degree because like oh 23 spins around i'm like okay 
uh, all right. And then, and then, so the air is the airplane spin, but he calls it the UFO because he's not using his hands. And I'm like, seriously, that's your selling point? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not using my hand. Like, oh, okay. So instead, you put your hands on your hips and you look like you're. I, it looks like some sort of bad, like ice capade sort He's of. He's entertaining the point. children. Like, what is happening here? But yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a. I I give this one two and three quarter stars. Really? So two seven five, huh? Yeah, I just I mean, it was good. It was better than middling, but like I just I can't sell like I I, I can't get that excited about a dude spinning around like that. Just okay. <laughs> He did more than spin around. Come on, man. No, and and the part, and that's why there's two and three quarter stars. It's not like right. down around one, but I mean, you know, Rollins was really good, and I think Cesaro had had really good moments. But it's when you put that much emphasis on the fact that, like, look at him, he's spinning around. Like, wow, that's what a high bar we've got. I mean, you know, back in back in 1968, ooh, dude would have ruled the world, you know. But now, not so much. He's the Not Swiss cyborg. So and uh, okay, but what does that even mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> so like, seriously. I, I, I gave it three point five. Yeah, that sounds about right. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good technical match between two very talented technical wrestlers. Both both of whom do not just spin. Um, well, you're just impressed with the spinning because, much like me, like getting up like up, up off the couch at our age too quickly, and you're you almost fall over. So I can see being impressed by that. I no, I and I'm being serious there. Like I totally understand why you would kind of sell out for that bit. I got to admit, I'm envious. You know, oh gosh, that's funny. I, I admire the guy for that. Trust me, oh. there is an element of me that thinks, wow, that is impressive. But Good stuff. Good when stuff. you're dealing with athletes, it's like, okay, you got to show me something a little bit more. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not all that athletic at my age. Like, show me something a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, which then brings us uh, to, uh, wow, we're gonna get a little raw tag team title action here uh, with mm-hmm. the New Day versus AJ, St- AJ, AJ, what? <laughs> Forrest Gump slipped in there. AJ Styles, he's pretty oh, good. I like gosh. him. He he can slam somebody. He's a good worker. I, I don't. Somebody stop me. Oh my gosh, I gotta stop drinking seltzer. Uh, yeah. So the New Day versus AJ Styles and Omos, mm-hmm. which. I've 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 tr- I've mispronounced this guy's name so many times, and I don't know why. It's almost like I have dyslexia with just his name. I, even though it's four letters, I keep wanting to put him in different orders. I don't know why. But man, this was—it's <laughs> the best of times, and it's the worst of times. <laughs> it's a very very Dickensian sort of match. It 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 it, it was a yeah. It was a different style of match that was telling a very you know a very direct story yes you you knew where they were going yeah i mean like all throughout the match and the new day was being cocky uh and and cutting the ring in half they they were they were just having you know basically just phenomenal when when xavier actually announced it in the ring that they are physically cutting the ring in half like yelled (laughs) it out i was like oh my gosh vince is back is back at gorilla just gritting his teeth like i'm gonna break them up next week like oh it was glorious i just i love how much fun those guys have and how they they, they're just being that damn good and having that much fun yeah, and I love the trom- I love the trombone playing outside of the ring while yeah, the match I mean, is going on. I, I thought that was hysterical. 
Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it just showed kind of the, well, the New Day, even though they're being the good guys, they, you know, leading into the match, they, they were in, in a lot of ways not taking Omos seriously, and they're their strategy was clear just just keep aj styles sequestered and mm-hmm. we'll win the match and that and and you know so outside of that it was it was pretty pedestrian it wasn't you know aj wasn't breaking out any of his crazy moves um until you know kind of toward the end at which point he almost, and i'm thinking specifically about where he tries to launch off the top rope then off of omas's shoulders and almost yes. like falls forward as he's doing it yeah um to throw the phenomenal forearm but um but basically, it, it was all building up to that moment of tagging in Omos and him just just tearing the new day apart. I mean, it yes. was just, and and that was that was it. I mean that that was it. There was no offense from them after that. So yeah. it, it it was it was a very kind of special purpose, very direct kind of storytelling match where this was about establishing Omos as a monster and. And it was also, you know, the other part of it is is with AJ Styles, he's held every other title in the company but this one. So now he is now a Grand Slam champion. sir. So that was the other part of it was him, you know, laying claim to that as well. So I believe that makes him a, a Grand Slam champ, not only in WWE, but where he came from, uh, Impact Wrestling as well. I believe he held all, all the titles as well. So and he is uh, a decorated so. a decorated star. He is. Yeah. And I mean, I started this off, but my first note was Kofi and AJ is money in the bank, dot, dot, dot. So, of course, Omos is going to come and bring this down eventually, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, I will say, and, and, and like you said, you knew where this was going. And it's it's something when you can you know where it's going to go, but you are still entertained by the ride. You mm-hmm. know, there was it was mm-hmm. still a, it was still a fun journey, even though you know where this is headed. Yeah. And when when you finally get Omos in the ring, New Day. Oh my gosh, did a hell of a job, number one, setting him up and also selling. And not just selling and in, in, in taking the moves, but the facial expressions, like selling him as like they legit just saw like the Grim Reaper enter the ring, you know? Yes. And yeah. and and Mick Foley has talked about that and, and other wrestlers have talked about that. Like you need to you need to have that like from the other person. Otherwise if you just get blown off, they can just kill you with the crowd right you know right and they and they they did such a great job there and if this if this if omas ends up kind of getting over and and becoming something mm-hmm. he ought to be sending these guys christmas cards for the rest of their natural <laughs> lives <'cause laughs> they got they started this off for him right and he made him look like a million bucks even though he is so extraordinarily limited mm-hmm. you know i mean not like great kali limited like you you know he doesn't even want to bother to bend down at any point if he can avoid it but he's limited. Like, yeah. like I think you put it as one point, like, he's green, and yes. Yeah. yeah. But they made him look really good. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. I gave this I gave this one three and a half stars, and it's it's mostly for New Day. Um, but also really? because I, I, I probably bumped it like a half a star just because Omos wasn't as terrible as I was expecting. Like, I was All really right. expecting something horrific from him. And I, right. I was pleasantly surprised. What do you have it? I, I I had it at three because, like I said, I mean it. It wasn't, you know, it 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 was a it it was a good match. It wasn't as good as some of the matches that I had at three five or you know at four, uh, which I have not doled out of four yet, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, it, it it served its purpose. It did its job, and and it did it well. 
And so I felt it was a, uh, you know, I, I felt it was an above average outing, but just nothing that, that stood out. I mean, there, there, there was one nit I will pick, which was kind of funny in the early part of, of the match when Styles was trying to tag Omos. Mm-hmm. And I think they just misjudged the distance. And Omos had to stay standing perfectly straight up. If he leaned in at all, he could have tagged AJ. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, dude, I'm just, number one, he's like seven and a half feet tall with like a wingspan of like twenty feet. I mean, uh-huh. he, he could reach halfway across the ring. And yeah, it was I, just I funny. That I was funny, like watching AJ try to reach that tag, and Omos puts his arm out, and I'm like, lean in. <laughs> All of a sudden, he de- he developed a severe case of alligator arms. Like, oh, uh, oh, that so. that was good. That was, and actually, that's probably like that is a bit of awareness from him. Like, I can't put my whole arm out. Yeah, <laughs> I could. I could literally tag. I could tag Kofi in the other corner. Yeah, ba- from here basically. If I wanted to. Basically. <laughs> so so no, I mean it, it, it wasn't a bad match. It was a, it was good, but it just uh, you know it served its purpose. Didn't stand out as as a you know blow me away kind of match. Well, wow, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm 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 actually a little more optimistic than you you've been so far in this. Uh, but however, I feel that coming to a screeching halt with this next match, oh, where we have Moses. Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman in a steel cage. <sighs> so basically, one of my notes in this was. First of all, after I kind of made, because literally this is just, this was like a therapy session for my notes here. I won't read all of them because some of them just have way too many curses in them for it to be read <laughs> in a family show. I was just trying to get through it. It was survival at a certain point. Yeah. But just, I mean, what's the point of this? And aren't there enough wrestlers on the, on the roster without bringing in some middle-aged dude who just happens to have the right name? And and then realizing like okay so what is this a tie in with like their anti bullying sort of thing and and Shane's the bully so they're trying to d- d- teach people a lesson here and then they bring it Lawler in and my thing was like oh bleep and I have to deal with Lawler for this too who did I piss off <laughs> I was just I was so beside myself with the fact that this this oh. match existed in any world yeah. and oh my gosh. And uh, oh yeah. So, anyways, and then the, the one of the things I thought was interesting about this. So, the 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 stipulations for this. Now, usually when it's a steel cage match, the, I mean old school steel cage matches. And you correct me on this if you're wrong. Back when we had the blue steel cage match, you know, the good old days. You know, the, when men the, were men. The and, jungle gym steel cage. Yes, when men were men and concussions. Eh, but uh, so you, the way that you won that match was you you had to climb over the top of the steel cage and, and escape, correct? And that was the only way that you won. Well, or, or walk out the door. Well, but I I always seem to remember like that that sort of felt like that developed later. Like I felt like it, like the original OG of this was like you had to go out over the top. Or maybe I'm uh, I, maybe. am I wrong? I thought the door was always an option, but you okay. may be right. Right. I, I do remember a point when it seemed like the door became more of an option. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm just remembering that. But then, you know, then you have the door becoming more of an option. In this freaking match, it's like you can go out over the top, you can go out over the door, or you pin. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, how do you how do you not win the match at this point? Like, I mean, what? It just uh, so frustrating. It was like it was so dumb. I think it's, but but I think it's a byproduct of. Because they didn't make the switch 
to those kind of rules until they started to use the chain link fence kind of steel cage. Like like mm. when they took it and it looked like a reduced kind of hell in the cell, you know, where, yeah. where they just put the chain link fence around the ring. When they did that, they had to bring in the pinfall submission aspect because you now, you know, like like one of the knocks, uh, one of the things I always could not stand about the jungle gym steel cages and and for our listeners, I call it that because these steel cages were literally like just looking at a huge tic-tac-toe board all the yeah, way around was, the ring. It was like one of those things where it used to be a, it was like a dome-ish thing, except they just had, it was straight, and so it didn't go over, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, I remember those in the playground. Yeah, totally. And they just painted it blue, and they're like, it'll be great. Right, right. And And what I think, you know, when they had them back then, I think what was good about it is it was easy to climb for the wrestlers and it was easy for wrestlers especially acrobatic ones or, or ones that you know could do those moves to you know you, you could hang you know if your legs got caught in it or so it was easy to kind of catch your feet in it and kind of hang mm-hmm. upside down or you know do all sorts of things when you get to chain link it's it's different because it's hard you know you know again harder to climb you got to get yeah. your footing but there's a brutality aspect to the chain link because when guys, you know, unlike with the, the, the blue bars and, and, and just the spacing of those bars where, you know, you had these big gaping holes, you know, taking your opponent and throwing their head into it wasn't, you know, wasn't really going to have an effect. And yeah. when you got to chain link, you had to go a little more of the hardcore wrestler kind of match because that's where you got into, you know, the, these real sort of um, – you know, blow offs to, to, to big feuds where, you know, uh, guys would just be, you know, raking their foreheads across it. You know, it, it would mm-hmm. turn into like, you know, like a blood feud sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, which and is not so, WWE's thing anymore, which is not their thing anymore. But w- when you got to that, it, it almost made sense to have it be like a pinfall sort of thing, because sometimes it would just be that kind of match where it was just two people, you know, two guys just slugging it out in the ring. There wasn't really it wasn't about getting out. It was about settling it in the ring and and getting a winner that way. So yeah, I I went long on that, but that, that that's a little history there, and and I'm okay with it because I I think in that setting it makes sense. If they ever if they ever brought back the uh, the jungle gym, you know, uh, steel cage, I, I I could see them just going back to the over the top, but. Yeah, the the thing that got to me with this match, and and again, we not to not to belabor this because quite honestly, this match isn't even worth the amount of time we've spent on it already. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the entire thing comes out of the fact that Shane called Braun stupid. Yep. And so then we're in the match, and they're they're climbing to the top of the cage, and Braun throws Shane off the top of the cage into the ring. Yes. And instead of Braun turning around and climbing down the outside of the cage and winning. He gets back into the ring, mm-hmm. thereby proving Shane's point for him that, Braun, you ain't that bright. You you could have just won the match. You just tossed a middle-aged man like 15 feet to the floor, climbed down the cage, and you're done, which I th- I, th- I figured for sure Shane's going to come out of this thing, and this will then be stretched out for another. We'll be talking about this follow-up in a Survivor Series or something, and I'd just be hating life. Uh, but, but but Braun hits a running power slam. He wins. Uh, justice is served. How did you rate this thing? Uh, I gave it two. Two stars. Uh, well, to see, I told you that generous spirit of mine just uh, evaporated like a fart in the wind uh, because uh, I gave this one one star. Oh, wow. However, I then felt the need to deduct some points. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. 
And so this winds up being negative 875 stars, one for every brain cell of mine that died during this waste of time. <laughs> so negative yeah. 875 stars is the final ranking. I have, I have noted. Okay, in good. In the show notes. So then we, of course, go on and you get some more Bailey's stuff. And uh, <laughs> next match we have is Morrison and Miz versus Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. Mm-hmm. Now, the best part of this match is the fact that Bad Bunny arrives on the top of a tractor trailer trailer. Mm-hmm. or a semi-trailer, which then made me realize that, wow, Bad Bunny is sponsored by Cletus Snow and Optimus Prime. And that ended the joy in this match for me. Mm. Um, that, well, that and actually, so uh, Morrison was sporting the same hairstyle as that first jobber that Hulk Hogan was facing in No Holds Barred. You remember him? Uh-huh, yep. And it was the same sort of thing, like just push it all up. Just, just push the hair up, baby. <laughs> and... Uh, then after that, I it, it really was bad. Like I, I started, I have notes like officially stopped paying attention and checking Facebook. <laughs> like went to get a snack. <laughs> when is this going to be over? <laughs> well, let's call this match what it was. It, it was a showcase for Bad Bunny. Yes, which is a sad statement in and of itself. Now the thing is, he wasn't that bad, and and apparently he's put in a lot of time getting ready for this. He performed and- amazing. For someone in their first match, yes. Absolutely, yes. Totally, yes. totally. Yes. However, oh, actually, no, the one other note is, so Morrison does the spin rooney and Cole acts like he just spit on the flag and then set it on fire. I thought that was, <laughs> like, again, I'm like, Michael Cole is on another planet tonight. Like, yep. just everything is is up to, like, 11 with him. I think the rain during the rain delay, he just pounded, like, six Mountain Dews and did, like, I don't know what. He's just... He was wired. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so what did you give this one as a rating, sir? Uh, before I give the rating, I just want to say that the, the two high points that I really enjoyed was the, the stereo suplex with, with uh, Damian Priest. and I think it was a, was a suplex or a falcon arrow. It almost looked like a falcon arrow. But your, your guess is as good as mine. But they did it at the same time. I thought that was cool. And then, yes. And this is what I love about this move. So th- there's a wrestling move called the Canadian Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like you set the opponent up like you're going to give them a pile driver, but instead the, the the wrestler in control jumps over his opponent who he has, flips, and then carries him over with him and then does the pile driver. It was very impressive seeing Bad Bunny do it, and he mm-hmm. did it well, but I have to give full credit to Morrison because oh, I think yeah. Morrison carried that one and sold it like a champ. So, Well, I think the reason why is because a, a move like that sounds like it's going to rely on a lot of effort yeah. from the from your dance partner in that. And that was the thing. Like, as good as Bad Bunny was, it was mostly for him. Like, hey, he didn't really mess up. The other guys really right. did a great job of leading him through that and carrying that and making him look good. He sold well. He... Yeah, he did. Like, like there really wasn't a false note, and you know when he was getting this was very similar to the New Day match because it was all about oh yes, you know Miz and Morrison beating on him and not letting Priest in the ring, and then when Priest came in, he came in like a house of fire, and and then it went to the the logical end. But but that's usually where it becomes apparent when celebrities are in the ring that they're just not comfortable is is Mm -hmm. the selling aspect of it, throwing punches. But I mean, everything looked 
really, you know, he looks like he's been doing this for a while. I mean, he wasn't Seth Rollins Cesaro or anything like that, but he was, it was serviceable and it didn't look bad. So I actually gave this three stars. Wow. Gen- I gave this again, three stars. You are a generous soul. Um, so <laughs> what I'm, what I'm giving this is I'm giving this some points for not turning out as horrible as I thought it'd be. So ne- I'll negative go with 250. Two, I'll go with two and a half stars for overall effort. All right. However, but then I do I do feel the need to to dock them some points. I I feel it's necessary that we need to deduct some points, a star for for each wrestler who is actually on the roster, who could have been put in this same spot and given something useful to do rather than a crossover stunt. So I'm going to deduct I'm going to deduct 30 and a half stars. So we are at 20 negative 28 stars for this match. And granted, right. that's just that's just my rough count on this. The other thing is, here's the problem with this match and the previous match. Number one, specifically with this match, you're totally right in saying we just saw this match with New Day, uh, AJ Styles and, and uh, Omos. Omos. We yeah. we just saw the match, and it's the exact same thing. And it was mm-hmm. ex- not. I mean, I I get that the tag team tactics are similar, but it was so much the same match. You, you can't do that. You can't have like a carbon copy match like two matches later and expect people to go, hey, this is brand new. Like, no, 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 no. And and you can't have these two matches back to back. Like you've got two non wrestlers that you're putting over and you're spending time and investing time and trying to get them over. You got all these other other wrestlers on the on your roster. Yeah. And you you're you're putting in I and I get like bad bunny. I guess for me mostly the, the most egregious and of course the reason why for the negative eight hundred some odd stars is is what the hell is the point of Shane McMahon? Like you can't find something else for Braun Strowman to do. Like Bad Bunny, I can I get I kind of understand it. They're trying to find that demographic and they're trying to make the connection with the kids. And you know, there's always been kind of this crossover thing with musicians and stuff in, in WWE. I get it. But still, like your biggest show of the year and you're not utilizing the talent that you have. Right. Right. That was aggravating for me. That was just very aggravating for me. So that's why I feel like I, I need to deduct this and, and for perspective. So people want to know like, what's the baseline? I would have given the rain delay one star as compared to these past two matches. So oh, that's, that's interesting. Yes. Because I, I gave the rain delay negative 10. Ah, well, see, there we go. So I I have an appreciation for rain. I just I just enjoy rain. I don't I don't blame it on the rain. Not at that, all. That much longer I had to spend with Vinsanity. So, well, that is true. All right. So now that we've uh, purged that from our souls, we get to the main <laughs> event of night one, which was the SmackDown Women's Championship. Sasha Banks defending against Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Wow. This was. I, I will say this match I felt was a little bumpy at times, but was a, a very good match. Very, uh-huh. very, very good match. I don't think it'll go down as like, oh my gosh, it's like one of the greatest of all times. Um, um, that's it, what they're saying. Well, well, I mean, okay, <laughs> let me put it this way. No, I didn't no, mean to me, burst your bubble, but go ahead. Let, let me put it this way. Like, it'll go down in that context because of what it means. Number one, I mean, just... Just the fact that we have women's matches as a headliner for WrestleMania mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. Is huge. But then when you have these women in particular mm-hmm. as main eventers competing for a championship at WrestleMania, 
yes, this match will go down in history for that reason, and and deservedly so because they're the two. I mean, it's not overinflated to say that it should. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like the the actual match. If you were to take out the context, like it, it was, a, there was some bumpy moments in there. You know, like I can find some nits to pick. That all being said, by far probably my favorite match of the night. Nice. And, and not even really that close. But yeah, no, I, I have zero complaints with this match. Zero. I mean, I just think, well, no, I do I do have a couple of complaints, but it's not really so much with a match. It's more of kind of creative overall direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious to see what, hear what you have to say, sir. Uh, yeah, this this was match of the night. Um, I would go as far as say I think this was, was the match of the event. It, it was a great story being told between the savvy veteran and the mm. young powerhouse um, mm-hmm. because, you know, Bel Air's deal is, you know, she, she had and she showed it. She's got strength. And, mm-hmm. and, and it was a nice showcase. I'll, I'll use that word again. Uh, but a nice showcase of, you know, Sasha being wily and using strategy and Bel Air kind of countering that with her power and with her strength. Mm-hmm. And and just that back and forth that they were that they were going through, I really enjoyed the very beginning of the match. I thought it was a very genuine and very very cool moment when Bel Air was was just on the verge of tears. Like they, both she and Sasha knew what this meant. Yes, you know that that for them to be you know in 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 the main event and for for you know for it to be you know two African American women fighting mm-hmm. for a championship, which you know it had never happened before was 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 awesome you know i mean it was it was amazing and it was such a cool emotional moment to see the 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 gravity of that for the two of them i mean even sasha was you know she couldn't help but smile (laughs) you know she was just like she was grinning ear to ear even though she's supposed to hate this woman and then you know yeah bianca on the other side of the character in that moment i i I mean i was getting chills watching it you know it it, it was it was was really 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 cool and and then Props to them being professionals. You know, she she put on the game face. They got once the match got going, it, it, it that had gone away, mm. and and it, it it was a I thought it was a, a great match from a storytelling perspective. You know that they did that storytelling in match with with the moves and what they were doing. Banks constantly messing with the braid, and then at mm. the end of the match, that just massive whip, that whip sound, that whack. <laughs> That you yeah. heard throughout the arena, I Indiana mean the crowds like, oh my gosh! Oh yeah, that and apparently, so I, I texted. I think I texted this last night we were watching, but apparently that was kind of something she did a lot in NXT, and then when she mm-hmm. came up to the main roster, they kind of ratcheted that down. So it, so you know, it, it was great for them to kind of bring that back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not have it be some sort of you know gimmick she always does, but kind of you know break that out where. Where where Bel Air uses the the massive braid as a weapon, you know I thought um, you know just good offense. I, I, I like the four fifty splash, both the one where she got kneed and then the other one where she landed it. Mm. Um, and then the exchange at the end was great. I mean to to go from the whip into the into the finisher and to get the pin and and to get that genuine crowd reaction was just a cherry on top of the Sunday that was the evening. So yes, um, I gave this one uh, four and a half stars. I will concur. Four and a half stars for me as well. Um, by far my favorite match of the of the evening. I won't go so. I mean, I don't know if I'll go so far as to say for the entire event, but it was it was it was a great match. Uh, the 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 knit that I have to pick two knits. Uh, Bel Air pressing Banks over her head and then walking 
when she's outside the ring, picking mm-hmm. her up, pressing mm-hmm. her over her head, walking up the stairs and into the ring with her was 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 a spectacle. And the only problem I had was it really didn't lead to anything. It was just a spot, and then it really then I think Sasha took back over really quickly after that. So it didn't feel like it was any kind of a turning point, or or it. I would have loved to have seen that develop into something because it was such a great visual and showing off the strength of Bianca Belair, but it didn't go, it didn't go anywhere, which was disappointing to me. Um, the well, other I think one, I, I think it was just establishing her strength. Well, I know, which, but it, which yeah, became a theme throughout the match, like she would power out of things. Yeah, that no, Banks totally. Was to do. I, and I get that. I would have liked to have seen that connected to some sort of either a comeback or, you know, part of that ebb and flow where this is her getting like that being the kind of the thing that leads into a point in the match where she is taking over. Whereas it just felt like it was it felt like if I remember right, she was kind of kind of going back and forth. And that was like her thing. Like she took over to press her up over her head, dumped her in the ring. And then Sasha immediately kind of came back. Right. Like it didn't. Right. I would have liked that to to have been the beginning of something for Bel Air. Not that that had to be the end of the match, but that would have been nice to see it kind of build into something because it was a really cool visual. The other was like Bel Air, obviously strong, uh, obviously you know money on power moves. And granted, they're trying to stake out their own bits of you know of gimmick in in this match. Like Sasha is going to be the more of the technical sort of this and that, and Bel Air's more of the power moves. But I really feel like I saw more skill set out of Bel Air than that during the Rumble. Like it wasn't just about strength. Like mm-hmm. she was showcasing some technical ability in there as well. And there was here too, but it felt like, okay, you're leaning so heavily into that. I feel like you're kind of almost shortchanging her. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're shortchanging the other skills that she has. Um, and that, but again, those are minor nits that I'm sure are one of those things that as things go on, it'll change because her character will change. She'll have different opponents and all that, but, uh, but a great match, really great match. Yeah, agreed. Um, and like I said, it, it is being talked about as being, you know, up there as one of the best with, with you know, just the uh, just just the flow of the match and everything. So, no, it was a great match to end the evening with and, and, and really uh, set the bar very high, you know, in terms of, of other of, uh, you know, other women's championship matches. Yes. All right. So then we get into night two, which uh, I just wanted to kind of note here began with the, uh, the voiceover, which was, I want to say, somewhere between Discount Jack Sparrow and uh, <laughs> maybe Factory Second. Uh, so basically just a fa- Factory Second Johnny Depp. And uh, I'm just doing this for quick cash, James Corden. Like it was a very <laughs> odd impersonation. Yeah. Um, but it was slightly entertaining. Uh, you know, it was all right. Yeah, it, it it was different. You know, it wasn't a purely serious deep voice introducing WrestleMania. You know, sort yeah. of thing. It was. It was. Yeah, this sort of playful sort of thing, and it was fine for what it was. They they were doing the pirate theme, so yeah, got to bring in the the budget Jack Sparrow. And then, of course, we then had the further indignity of Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil playing dress up as pirates, coming out on the stage, and very obviously getting booed by the live crowd and yet piping in the cheers to try and drown it out <laughs> which i i think this is going to become a theme as they're working their way back through this like trying to kind of hang on to some of that control until there's enough people in the arena that they they almost can't control it to the yep. you know so i thought that was uh that was a lovely way to start off i'm like ah yes the showcase of the immortals this is 
we're off to a great start. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. And then it just got even more weird because our first match of night two is Randy Orton versus The Fiend mm-hmm. in, oh my gosh, just what what's going on? So yes, uh, Orton sent The Fiend on fire and The Fiend uh, came back and Alexa Bliss is possessed by The Fiend and all kinds of just really weird stuff happening here but the thing i want to make sure that i mention here is randy orton taking an undertaker and a quarter getting to and into the ring yeah again just that metric of time where you're like this is in an insane amount of time for you to get to the damn ring mm-hmm. and just took forever and I'm like, and we know that the Fiend's entrance is going to take a while. So this this match might not start until hour two of, mm-hmm. of WrestleMania night two. Yep. But yeah, so the whole thing was very creepy. I feel like that with the Fiend here, they're going into territory that they didn't even necessarily go into with the Undertaker. Yeah, and and this was just I, I texted this to you last night. This was just classic overbooking. I I liked what they were doing with having him kind of regenerate, you know, from from the from the burnt up corpse fiend into the yeah. fiend once again. I don't know why they just didn't do a normal entrance. I know once we get through the match, you know, there there was aspects that played out at the end for why they did it this way. But you know, the character was just always cool because it just had an aura about it, and it just. I, I just felt like it just felt flat the way they did it. Match was 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 not good. Um, just it wasn't very even uneven. Really a match, yeah. Very uneven, and and you know not even really a showcase. I mean, the one thing I thought was interesting was it seemed like they were going down a road of establishing him as 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 now at, at a different level. You know, Randy, you know, slams him into the announcer table. He pops right back up and and throws the mandible like like he's not he's like impervious. You know, mm-hmm. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool, but I thought it was going to be consistently done throughout the match, and then it wasn't, and then it was, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just the end where he's got him right where where the fiend has Randy Orton dead to rights, and he's about to put him away. And then they do this weird thing with Alexa Bliss. He's just you know the fiend's distracted. Randy hits the RKO, gets the pin. I was just like, I don't know what the heck that was even about. So I gave this one star. Wow, this this was that bad for me. It, this this was very disappointing. So I I actually gave this one. Well, you know what? Now I'm I'm questioning myself. I'm actually gonna I'm okay. I'm gonna bring this down a little bit because. Um, well, were you I, negative fifty? Now you're gonna go negative a hundred? <laughs> no, I've I'm at two I'm at two and a half stars with this. Really. Because- because of the sheer spectacle of it. Now, here's the thing: people are going to say I'm I, I'm inconsistent and and just out of my mind, and they're right, and that's fine. But what I'm when when you're, it's one thing to have a bad match when you're trying to have a good match, or it's one thing to just completely screw over the crowd by doing something that's just like no, that's no, no. But here, it's it's they weren't really, in my mind, they weren't really trying to. Okay, you have to judge the Fiend matches, I think, on a different scale entirely. Because that character is just not a normal character in in the in the WWE world. Sure. So, you know, it, it, so it, 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 it's a more spectacle. And I do dig the idea of, like, this thing of, like, Fiend no-sells on, on a lot of stuff and how Orton gets in a lot of uh, offense that doesn't have a ton of effect and then Fiend gets in uh, a little bit of offense, but everything he does has a major impact, even though he's still getting, he's still taking the brunt of the abuse. 
you know, and it's just a very odd dynamic and it's very unsettling. Like everything, it seems like the entire, and I, I'm sure this is the gimmick and I just don't watch enough of it to really get it, but everything with The Fiend is geared to be unsettling. Mm-hmm. Everything from the intro to the to the the actual gimmick of the mask and the and the ring attire to the the red light and the moves and everything and just the mannerisms everything is supposed to be unsettling so and that is what this entire match was for well, this match was to make you be feel unsettled and in that they achieved their aim you know whether you like that or not I mean that's that's totally subjective but they achieved their aim if they were trying to unsettle people. Mission accomplished, sir. Mission accomplished. And I, I don't feel it was so much overbooked as unhinged. It was, it was just completely crazy. Yeah. And for that, I'm like, okay, I'll give you some extra points for that because you were just, you, that was your goal and you achieved it. I'm not sure that that's the way that you want to go long term, but hey, whatever. Right. Yeah. All right. So then we. So, oh so what gosh. was your rating? Uh, two and a half. Two oh, and a half okay. Stars. Oh, so you stayed pat at two and a half. Oh. Well, no, I actually had it at three, and you made me reconsider. What? So I brought it down a little bit again because they achieved their goal. I mean, oh, that's wow. That you, that was you've the taken goal. more off for for less. So <laughs> you're you're right. I have, <laughs> and I've never pretended to be this bastion of consistency. So oh, deal with it. Oh, My gosh. Uh, and I thought the next we had a little intercut here, of course, where we get Titus Hogan, Bischoff, and Bailey, and oh dear God, why? And um, then we get to Daniel Bryan, who is like working out in the electrical room, which we both were like, "Where's Mick Foley? How come Mick Foley isn't like sneaking up on him there?" You know? I I was waiting for mankind to pop around the corner and just kind of you know do a you know cheap pop, thumbs up sort of routine, but you know, actually, you know what would have been better. It would have, what would have been the best is if he's just in there and he's doing his fake like training stuff and just just fully walks through with like you know like a cheeseburger or something <laughs> and just just nonchalantly like he's just walking by like hey Daniel <laughs> and Daniel's yeah, like yeah. what's up Mick and just keeps on going and that's that's the only time you see Foley the whole show it's just that <laughs> one brief just walk by yes, that would have been yes. just great especially if like he's he's in the mankind gimmick like the mask and everything but just mm-hmm. casually walking by that would have been perfect all right enough fantasy booking from us for vignettes uh next up we have the women's tag team championship and that is natalia and tamina versus nia jackson Shayna baszler now i i am uh, this one's difficult for me because i really enjoy three out of four of the performers in this match and I'll let you guess which one I'm not a huge fan of. Um, uh, is that Miss Basler? Uh, no, no. I've I've kind of come around on, on Basler. I'm I'm digging what she's doing. I oh okay. I just can't get behind Nia Jax as a character for some reason. I don't know yeah. what it is. It's just not clicking with me. And I've sat through enough of these pay per views with her where I'm like, it still just ain't working. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Italian and Shayna were great to start off, and 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 then it is immediately demean, uh, uh, like devolved into a uh, a technical battle of headbutts between Tamina and Naya, which I'm like, oh, and here well, we go. You know go. why, don't you? Well, yeah, because Snuka. They're both well, from the Samoan limit lineage, and oh, and that's right, that, and that's, that's like, always been like their gimmick is you know the, the superpower. Exactly. Okay, now I get it. I did. I did work not in the gimmick. Those dots. Work in the gimmick. All right. The thing that I thought was actually really cool was uh, the way that they that Natalia and um, and Tamina did that slingshot of a Baszler into a super kick. Oh yeah, that was nasty. That was re- 
Oh my gosh. And then and then a really stiff kick by Baszler on Natalia, which apparently mm-hmm. was the thing that like people were like, Did did you see a tooth fly out of her mouth? Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess she posted on Instagram today that she has all of her teeth, but it put a sizable dent in like the her upper lip. Um oh, and it was it was pretty gnarly looking. And then then of getting into like all of the 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 Baszler like the leg twisting on Natalia. Oh my gosh! And this entire time, like Tamina's out like apparently having a nappy time out on out on the mat because she's she was just gone forever. Forever. Uh, she, she she had been slammed on the uh, hard floor. But still, <laughs> it's like good lord. Did she? It was it was almost like was she legit knocked unconscious or what? It was crazy. That's what she was um, selling. But yeah, I guess. But it just seemed like an inordinately long time. And yeah, there's just then the the thing that kind of got me was when Naya was up on the top ropes and she did that double crossbody. It seemed like they were there waiting for her for an awfully long time. <laughs> like it took forever. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. There's just something about her her as a as a character and a, as a worker. I'm just I'm not buying it. I don't know why. I don't know why. But yeah, so then uh, the, the one thing I want to ask you is, like, what is the percentage, what is the, the, like, the achievement percentage for Natalia of actually getting that sharpshooter locked in? Because we saw it like the night before, like four or five times she went for it, three or four times this match, and she only got it on like once. <laughs> it's like, for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not doing very well with this move. It's, it's almost like watching Antoine Walker back in the day p- throwing up threes where you're like, would you stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> you're hitting like 16% for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, I I would agree. That 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 was... Well, I mean, she was putting on Nia, Nia Jackson, so there there's you know probably selling the uh difficulty of, of getting you know her rotated around and everything well no but that was so. the one time she got it on i'm talking like in the match the night before oh. and even earlier in this match like she kept on going for it and never got it locked in and i'm like how could it's you a fi- it's a finisher it's a well scouted move well i get that but it's almost like you you have to attempt it a little bit less otherwise well, it just that's, it just that's shows true. like you 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 might not know how to do this move like yeah. maybe you're that confused i don't know i just yep. thought it was it was kind of amusing that she finally locked it on and then it didn't result in anything no nothing, nothing. <laughs> it's like boy that kind of sucks yeah uh, but yeah so um so what'd you rate it uh Honestly, I think this could have been a four-star match. I really do. I it think, could have. I think Natalia and Tamina seem like they have pretty good chemistry. I think Baszler is, I said before, like, I would not take anything from her. A punch, I would, like, they could tell me, oh, no, she's, she can do it really safely. Hell no. Mm-mm. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. She makes everything look like it hurts real bad. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't care, but I, I'm giving it three stars because I, it just oh, felt wow. like it felt like every time Jax was in there, it just the match quality just took a nosedive immediately, and I I do I wish I could pinpoint what it is, you know I'm sure it's not because she's not trying I right. I it's not like she's lazy in there or anything, right I, I just I don't know what it is with her it just doesn't it doesn't work it, it I just don't feel like it whatever she's doing really works. How about you? I had similar comments to what you already said. You know, there, there were snug kicks all around. That was good to see. Basler doing the leg damage to Natalia. Good to see. Sloppy kickouts. Sloppy kickouts. I was just mm. like, 
yeah. there, there's just no drama in it. It was it was just like especially Basler. It's like it's great she knows the match isn't going to end with this, but it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like can can, <laughs> can, can you help me? Can you help me believe that it may not be or that it could be? I mean, jeez, Louise. I mean, she's. I know the kick out is like at two and a half, but it like the oh first gosh. like the ref's hand is coming down for number one, and you're already like you obviously planning it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, I know this is gonna happen. <laughs> it's like, oh God, come on! You're, you're you're removing all reality from the. Ma- Anyways, yeah, the 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 Nia crossbody was kind of strange. Just a lot of, you know, it took forever, and 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 you could tell that the cameras were jumping around because they were trying to cover. I mm-hmm. think for for because I I was watching Natalia and Tamina, and they were both ready, like they were bracing themselves because they knew it was coming. Yeah, and it just took. I forever. thought I thought the feed froze for a second. That's how long they were standing there. I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, and then Am I the, buffering. What's going on? And then the other thing was weird. Was just like there was just a lot of like gap time between things happening when Nia was like trash talking Tamina. She's just like she'll do a move and then she's just like yelling at her. Yeah, and and, I, and like, like kind of do, kind of doing some slaps or something, but they didn't yeah, even look like. Was, uh, yeah. I felt the rhythm was off. Uh, it was an anticlimactic ending. Uh, you, sir, are, are being very generous for night number two. This is 1.5 stars. Wow. I did not like this match. Yeah. And and the other thing, too, is, and this is something that uh, uh, one other nit that I would pick, or it's, it's not even really a nit. It, it is a it is a, a note for improvement mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of people specifically, but kind of in general for, I think, a lot of wrestlers, because now we've the microphones in close and, and catching the smack talk isn't going away anytime soon. I think that's going to stick around. And it kind of used to be a thing that the mics could catch up, catch some of that stuff, but now they're getting a lot closer, especially with having the empty arena and Thunderdome and all that stuff, and that became such a prominent feature of the match. Um, but Bianca Belair uh, really needs to work on her smack talk. Nia Jax needs to work on her smack talk. Because if you look at what happened later on in the night with Rhea, uh, Rhea Ripley, her sm- the, just the way that she was talking to her opponent and the way that Nia Jax was was working with her opponent, I felt it was night and day. Like there was, I felt like Rhea Ripley actually was doing it well, and Nia yeah. Jax is sort of like meh. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I probably am being a little generous. But I I I'd really I was enjoying Natalia's work specifically, and uh, and Baszler just because again I was like wincing every time she did anything because I'm like oh my gosh she's gonna like. She's going to kick somebody's head off their shoulders into the third row. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen tonight. And that's kind of just what I'm always waiting with, with for her. Like, this could be the night. This could be the night. Right. You know? Right. Oh, my gosh. All right. So then we get into, uh, and this is a little note that I had to make because it's it was aggravating me because it kept on, we kept on getting the whole, we're in Tampa Bay. You're wrong. No. Okay. No, you're not in Tampa Bay unless you have hip waders or you're on a pontoon boat. Okay, you're at Tampa Bay or you are by Tampa Bay. You are in Tampa. Thank you, Mr. Car- th- th- thank you, Mr. Carlin. 
Oh my gosh, it was aggravating the living crap out of me the whole, both <laughs> nights, both nights. That is one of those things where I'm just like, I get it. I understand why they named, you know, mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that thing because it's a grouping of city and they're trying to be more regional, sort of like the Patriots or the New England Patriots instead of the Boston Patriots. Yep. But at least get the rest of it right. Like we are at, if you say we're at Tampa Bay, okay, fine. Then you, because it's it's a different thing, but you're not in Tampa Bay because you're not in the actual bay, you dummy. Deep breath. I feel, be- I feel better breath. now. Thank you. Thank you. I Deep appreciate breath. you bearing with me. So next up, we have Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. And wow, I'm going to let you go on this one for because I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I spoke way too much on the last one. So uh, with with some context for for this uh, this this was one of my favorite matches from from night 2 and and I I would put probably you know in 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 my top 3 of the overall event Zane and Owens for for those who don't know Sami Zayn Kevin Owens ha- have been wrestling each other for for 20 some odd years they, they they came up together in the independence they you know, struggled through the independence. They fought their way to Ring of Honor, which which is was kind of like a more organized independent, so to speak, and and made made you know their name there, and have just had these like classic matches. So I, I already knew going into this that these two guys were going to do something special mm-hmm. because they they just bring out the best in each other, and they and they know each other so well, you know, and, th- mm. and that's when you usually have the best matches, the guys who just have that chemistry and just know one another well. And, and these guys have chemistry. And so first coming into the match, Sammy gets the award for the best spaz entrance. I'm surprised he didn't like throw a, you know, a, 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 a vertebrae out or something the way he was just like, you know, convulsing on the ramp or doing yeah. whatever it was he was doing. It was hysterical. Actually, I got to ask you this. Don't you feel Sammy's music is a little too upbeat and happy for a crazy conspiracy theory gimmick? Yeah, but that's that's his that's what he's known for. I mean, that's like that is the Sammy music. So okay. I guess right. by by hook or by crook, they they will continue to uh, use it for him, whether he's on the light side or the dark side. So, well, and that and I gotta say, but I agree, a it's co- a little too jovial. Yeah, but for a complete nutbag, Sammy's got himself some serious dance moves. Like that dude's got that dude can can groove a little bit, oh, or, or at least hysterical. more than me, which is probably not saying much. That was hysterical. So action go, you know, match starts off, pop up power bomb right out of the gate. I mean, it was almost like we were watching the, the the Roman Reigns title match from from Royal Rumble, where you know Owens popped that off right at the beginning of the match. Mm-hmm. From there, it's just the two beating the crap out of each other and coming oh so dangerously close. And I can only assume that they did some of these moves because they have just done these moves to each other so many times. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's like for us, it's like nerve wracking to watch for them. It's like, you know, a Saturday afternoon practice session. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, but Zane dropping a brain buster on the edge of the ring on Owens was just like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I was like, that was insane. Yes. (laughs) That that looks like oh my gosh! I really hope they made that look good, and that didn't just happen for real. You yeah, know? yeah. But but a lot of great moves. Um, the the Mishinoku driver on Owens. I mean, I was just like, good lord, let Kevin Owens have a neck when he leaves this. <laughs> yeah, because... that was a that was another one where I'm like, I really hope that you're just that damn good because that yeah. legit looks like that might have 
gone wrong. <laughs> and now I think this was banned, and so that's why it didn't happen. But there was a point early in the match where Owens was going to power. He got he got um, Zane set up for a power bomb against the ringside. I don't know if you ever seen him do this before. Mm, no. But but Owens when when he and and Zane were in NXT, uh, and and he first arrived. Zane had I think I think he had just won the championship or something like that and Owens came out as his friend and then he turns on him right away he takes him to the outside of the ring and he power bombs him like I, I don't know how to describe it but not like normally you would power bomb someone on the floor you know like mm-hmm. a, like a, a vertical drop he power bombs him diagonally into this the, the the ringside so like his back is hitting the edge of the ring whoa it looks brutal it looks yeah. brutal. But Zayn just, you know, again, I don't know because of their history, just knowing how to take moves from one another. I mean, sold it like a champ, and it looks just awful. But that that didn't happen. It looked like he was going to do that. I had read somewhere that they kind of had, had discouraged him from doing that, so it was probably just a tease. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, just both of them just breaking out some just crazy maneuvers. Um, I love that Owens, that suplex where he, he goes up for a suplex but then drops him and his neck is like on his knee. When Owens oh. had Zane up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? I mean, that was yes. just... I mean, the two of them just broke out these these sick-looking moves. Yeah. And uh, and so, anyways, just just great back and forth from, from these two. The, the the three suplexes on Owens' neck, the exploder in the corner, and then I, I didn't catch what the second one was, and then there was the brain buster again in the middle of the ring was just insane. Yeah. Um, so, so just a lot of, you know, just really... High impact, high action offense from both of them. Owens ends up winning with with a stunner. So I don't know if you know the history behind that. He has Stone Cold's blessing, so he is using the Stone Cold stunner as his finisher. Mm-hmm. So Owens, uh, I, I'm giving Owens comes away with the victory. I'm giving it four stars. Wow, I, it, th- that that was one of the top three matches of the event. I will agree with you, sir. I I will go with four stars, and uh, because quite honestly, it was a lot of high spots. It was a lot of like big moments because of moves, but there was a nice pace to the match. Mm-hmm. I did not feel like it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, we do this, and then 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 it ends. Like there was actually a flow to what was happening. Right. And and that that can be that can get glossed over in a lot of matches. And maybe part of it is because of how quick these pay per views and how quick TV forces things to be and all that. And you got to have a new set of things happening every four to five weeks for the next pay per view or whatever. I don't know, but obviously, like you said, two guys who have worked together this much, they they they're going to have a lot more chemistry and a lot more um, depth of experience to draw to to draw on. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, I, I agree. Four stars. It, w- it was definitely one of the top matches. And and it was and you know for as many high spots as they did, it was paced well. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, totally. like 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 it wasn't just like high spot after high spot after high spot. It was just they, they they know how to tell a story in the ring, and they did that, and they did it with these high impact maneuvers. I mean, the crowd was just they had the crowd right in their hands. I mean, they they were watching everything, and it was just it it. it you know that that's why I went so low with like the Randy Orton match and and the women's tag matches. Like, there's a difference between a match where you've got everyone's attention and a match mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, like I I joked about the 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 lazy you know kickouts and stuff like that. But it was like that's where your drama is. I mean, if you're not nailing that kind of detail in your match, then it's just not going to captivate anyone. You know, and these guys just just did a phenomenal job. So, agreed. 
One of my favorites. Agreed. And from the highest of highs <laughs> to this, um, we have the United States Championship on the line. Did you call Jeremy, Jeremy Riddle. Jeremy, what's his name? His his real name is Matt Riddle. He's Matt known Riddle? as Riddle. Okay, Riddle. Whatever the heck the the the, the bro dude that I can't stand. Bro. There. So, so Seamus versus Riddle in like you know whatever so yeah riddle defending against sheamus and my first two notes on this match was is this seriously a feud centering around an adult man riding a scooter and the second note was i am officially going to start drinking at this point <laughs> give me a hell yeah <laughs> and that that is how this night started oh i i was i was doing all right up until now but, mm -hmm. but then it's like nope nope yep. i can't take no more yep. i I need a little, need a little medicine to, need a little granny's rheumatism medicine to get me through this one. What did you think about this one, sir? I mean, I I liked it. it I mean, Sheamus to see Sheamus in a singles match. Like I, I don't know if you have the context, but for a long time he worked tag matches because I think he had a lot of back issues and there was some mm -hmm. talk about him, you know, retiring potentially. So to see him in a singles again was, you know, nice to see. Yeah, you know, I can only assume because he he's healthy enough to do something like that and. You know, he, he's the grizzled veteran and he's, you know, going against this, this you know, young punk. And, you know, he's – I haven't watched any of the build-up, you know, to the match, but, I, I you know, it kind of writes itself that way. I, I like the back-and-forth action. I mean, Sheamus is a stiff guy. You know, I mean, like mm -hmm. like watching him just, like, pull Riddle back over the, the, the ropes yes. and, and do, do the club fist to his chest, I'm just like, oh, my God. It's just – that looks brutal. So um when that was happening, I had that with Seamus with stiff clubs on Riddle. I want to buy this man a Guinness right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was like, yes, get him. Get him. I actually have a note. Nice high-impact maneuvers. Seamus with the kick after Riddle's flippy maneuver. I, I literally wrote that because I, I don't know what to call whatever Riddle was doing flippy-wise. But Seamus nailed him with a kick. Yeah, um, he does a lot of flippy things. He does. Great. I see. This was a great example of, of great near falls. Uh, uh, you know, for a physical match. Big props to Sheamus. I, I know I probably overtexted you about this, but like, there was a moment in the match where it's like it, it goes one of two ways. E either they they try to do the high risk thing and someone gets hurt, or someone uses their brain and just does it safely. And and Sheamus was going to do something from the top, and he could even tell he did not have the footing he needed. And he, you know, he basically hopped down from the turnbuckle and then just did the did the move safely. But if they mm. had tried that, it would have been a disaster because he he just seemed like he wasn't like he didn't have his footing right. And and you know, just props to him for for a veteran protecting the youngster and 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 just doing the right thing. So it didn't take away from the match in the least. I mean, it just you know he just recovered and just did the did the maneuver and it was fine. Um, but I actually gave this three and a half stars. I mean, he he left Riddle bloody from the chin, and uh, and and just I, I, I like the look of intensity on both of their faces at the end. Like like you know, Sheamus just standing over him with the belt, like you know, I took it from you. Do something about it. And mm. Riddle like, oh, you popped me in the lip. What happened? Yeah, I I, I just liked it, so I, I gave it three five. I, I go with two and a half stars. It was it was a match. It was it was down the middle for me. It was good. However, the thing is, and this is where I really, really, really started to uh, to notice this, and to also to really get ticked off about it. The more I noticed it, just so many power moves, so many big moves, and everything mm -hmm. a kick out of everything. Like yeah, the kickouts were good, but they're kicking out of everything. Like yeah. everything looks devastating and stiff. And they're kicking out. Like, so, well, how's the match going to end? 
Like you're gonna is one of them gonna get run over by a cement truck in the middle of the ring? Like what what is going to end the match? And at some point, you know, you have to like I don't want to go back to the days. So again, I was watching that WrestleMania four recap, and one of the one of the matches literally ended with Ted DiBiase picking a guy up and dropping him like kind of like neck first on the ropes, and that was the finish. Right. Like picked him up, dropped him on the ropes, pinned him, match over. Now, granted, that was when they were doing like that. Uh, tournament to crown the new champion and all that. So there was a bunch of quick matches, but that's like that's not even a a spot now. I mean, good lord! But now it's like all these big high impact moves, and everybody's kicking out of everything. Like there's no there's no in between. It's like everybody is going for throwing like an eighty yard pass, trying to get a touchdown. Ain't nobody's just trying to gain two three yards on the ground. Nobody's trying to hit a single. Nobody's trying to like get a layup. Everyone wants to hit a three or a tomahawk slam or something. It's like, and that's what what I think takes away from some of the paces of these matches. There's no, there's nothing between first and fifth gear. Yeah. And and if you don't have something to change the pace to make it interesting, it's like all right, yeah, okay. After a while, it's like the same thing that happened with ECW. Like at the end of the night, people are just exhausted because you just watched. People just beat the living crap out of each other, and you're almost expecting someone to die in the ring. Like, that's the only way you're going to take these people over the top. Yeah. So that's just kind of the thing that, to me, took away from this. Like, it started to really hit me. Like, why is everybody kicking out of everything? Yeah. Like, yeah, give me a couple pinfalls, but, I mean, you can't kick out of everything because after a while it's meaningless. Right. Um, and it was really kind of obvious in this. Now, granted, I was glad to see, you know, Seamus just kick the living crap out of Riddle. You know, I mean, that's just a that's just a simple pleasure in my life. <laughs> Half a star for that. <laughs> it, oh, totally, totally. But it was it just wasn't anything that stood out to me. You yeah. know. Yeah. So next up, we had, oh boy, this match. We have the Intercontinental Championship with Big E defending against Apollo Crew in a Nigerian drum fight. Oh, and and we talked about this before, and we were both very concerned with this with WWE. Yeah. Sometimes, going. I took going, the high road and said maybe the two of them are just going to have a competition to see who can hold a beat. I was I was hoping for like an old Buddy Rich like you know drum drum, drum off, off or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, instead it's basically a no count out or DQ, just pins and submissions. Not really much Nigerian about it at all, except for there's a bunch of drums and uh, and kendo sticks and, and tables. a gong and tables around the around the ring. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay, so it's like having a it's like having a having a wrestling match in a percussion store. All weapons, right. weapons everywhere, weapons. Anyways, uh, it's just uh, yeah. And of course, they grabbed kendo sticks and were just beating the crud out of each other to start things out. And I don't know, man. This, this to me, this match just did not. It was, it was brutal in some ways, but it never really felt. I, I don't know. I just, I could not connect on this match for whatever reason. It just yeah. didn't do much for me whatsoever. I, I gave this two stars. All right. And I felt I was being generous on that. Interesting. Interesting. What about you, sir? I thought it was okay, but but I have a note here. I, I didn't care. I, I mean, I understand story-wise why they did it, but I didn't care for the screwy ending with the Generalissimo interfering on Cruz's yeah. behalf. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that, that was a little out of nowhere, and, and just it really just kind of like took the air out of the match almost. I mean, of course, once yeah. he interfered, Biggie lost. But I understand story-wise what they were doing because this is you know setting up Apollo Cruz to be – 
you know, kind of uh, the the man moving forward. And but but I just yeah, I, 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 you know, I thought the match had a good rhythm to it. I mean, it felt, you know, as far as a, a hardcore match goes, it was it was reasonably done. Um, mm-hmm. I thought there was good intensity from from both Biggie and Apollo in it. And, and it was and, and, you know, Cruz has had kind of a, a very he was a big deal in NXT and he was one of those guys that's been kind of lingering on the main roster. So it was, it was good to see him kind of, you know, finally kind of land a gimmick. I think this is something that he did when he was in the independence as well as uh, I think he called himself Uha nation at that point. But so I think it's him kind of taking a little bit from, from what he's done before that's kind of worked for him and, mm-hmm. and, and great to see him in a WrestleMania match and, and see him in a championship match, no doubt. So I actually gave this three stars. I, I, I thought it was above average, but it it wasn't blowing me away. Yeah. Fair enough. I can't argue too much on that. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our next match, which is Raw Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley. Rhea. Rhea, right? Rhea? Rip Ripley? What? Rip? I, 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 I keep on rip wanting em. to say... I'm, 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 oh, doing no. the, I'm doing the Dude. half of rip, you know, the, the, the rip hand gesture. Just from, from... stop. I'm, I don't have enough <laughs> bourbon to deal with this right now. I don't have any. <laughs> Good lord, don't do, don't do that to me when I'm sober. <laughs> um, oh, so man. Raw Women's Championship, uh, Asuka, Asuka I, I, oh my gosh, what's happening to me at this point? Uh, Asuka versus Rhea Ripley, and Asuka is the champion. And so now we get we get the beginning of this, and of course Asuka with her with her entrance, which is 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 gloriously weird and and kind of fun. And then Rhea Ripley has whatever band coming out that I my my note is whoever this band in it's making me wish that they could have gotten the DX band like that's that's my, <laughs> that's how low the bar was at this point. Like if anyone should have been lip syncing. It should have been this band. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like what's yeah. going on? Oh man! So what did you think about this one? I'm I'm guessing I can't quite tell if you're going to like this one or hate it. I did like it. I oh I thought at the beginning Oscar lip syncing with the announcer was probably the best lip syncing of of the entire two nights. <laughs> yes. When when he's introducing her, he's like you know wing two. I mean she's she's doing everything. It was hysterical, oh. like watching her mouth at all. Yeah. So there was the rapper before the IC match. Yeah. And that dude was obviously lip syncing. Like a couple times, he has hit the microphone was nowhere near his mouth. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. But Oscar's Oscar's bit there of, of, of lip syncing to the, the ring announcer was great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, good. You, you know, Oscar's always known for for the stiff kicks and and just you know good good offense. You know, she looked great. You know, there were there were points when I, where I kind of wish Ripley was a little more crisp with her punches and kicks. You know, especially when she was trash talking her. It's like I. Mm. I I understand needing to pace the match and not go so crazy with offense, so that there's just action, action, action. But there's just like logical points in the match where I'm look, I, I'm watching this like, you're the challenger. Why aren't you like on top of your opponent, beating the tar out of them right now? Like now is mm-hmm. not the time to be standing there and you know trash talking. Like like do some offense, get them in a place where they're not responsive, and then do the trash talking. You know what I mean? Um, I wonder. I wonder if part of that is because she is. I mean, not like she's towering over Oscar, but I mean, she is. Th- she is a bit more physically imposing and almost kind of that yes. Charlotte Flair sort of way. Like you buy her as not like some giant, but she is like definitely taller. Oh and, yeah. Than you know, uh, than any than like eighty percent of the women's roster. You yeah. know, yeah. almost kind of like a Braun Strowman. 
as opposed to the the rest of the men's roster. Like not Andre the Giant big, but still bigger than most of these dudes. You yeah. know. Yeah. And I wonder if they're they're kind of like trying to do that whole like oh she's to to keep Oscar in the match. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's part of the reason why they're why they kind of went with that. Yeah, I have a note. Uh, nice German suplex by Ripley to break. Uh, she was mm. in a leg lock, and then she she flipped it into a German suplex. That was impressive. Yeah. Um, I have this note. A damn DDT off the ring apron was nasty. It had some stank on it. Yes, yes. I, I that was really good. And then before that, what was it? A uh, uh, Rhea had a drop kick to Oscar, who was at the top turnbuckle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like manage again, sort of the Cesaro thing of like, hey, I'm going to do a drop kick angled upwards. Like, yeah. holy, sheesh. Yeah. Uh, I had a note, uh, nice submissions and counters throughout the match. And then yep. I, I thought it was a great effect at the end with Ripley just asking, you know, for, for those those kicks. That, that's where Asuka normally does her damage and, and have her just kind of keep asking for it. And then for Asuka to, to you know, kind of run and, you know, try to do a kick maneuver and have her counter it and into her finisher was – that to me is the difference between, like, a good finish versus the finish we got in the tag championship match, the, the women's tag championship match because mm. – it just came out of like nowhere in that match, and like this one here, it's like okay, she ducked this and she flipped it into her finisher. I mean that it, it just kind of flowed and had like a logic to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I like this. So overall, I, I I gave this one a, uh, a three point five. Wow. So I gave this one four stars. Ah. I I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the pace. Really enjoyed the work. I really appreciated how the the beginning started off with a lot of quick offense by Asuka, kept Rhea off her game. They slowed the pace down, and 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 it, again, just it was all about pace. The matches that I liked the most, it seems, just had a much better pace. It wasn't just like the big things that happened. It was what happened in between those big things. So yeah, four four stars for me. Nice, very nice. Um, and let's see here. Finally. Yeah, finally we reached the end of two nights worth of wrestling. <laughs> Didn't think it would ever happen, but here Insanity. we are. Insanity. We have the main event triple threat for the Universal Championship with Roman Reigns defending against Edge and Daniel Bryan. <sighs> I'm just going to be right up front here. I am not a fan of triple threat matches, so this one was already starting out in the hole for me. All right. Because it, it every every triple threat match that I've ever seen seems to follow the same pattern. You've you start out with three people, and then you have to incapacitate one, so then it turns into a one on one, and then usually either the match will finish that way, or then you incapacitate someone else when the other person is then able to regain their senses, and then you you just keep looping that over and over and over again. And then, of course, you get into the whole breaking up pinfalls or submissions and that. And it's it's like the same thing over and over. And it, this, there's not much mystery to it for me. So that that was already going against it. I felt like it had two strikes in the hole already. Yeah. But what would what would your what were your thoughts on this, sir? You know, as far as triple threats go, I thought it, you know, it kind of followed a typical triple threat formula where, you know, you start off with, you know, everyone going after everyone and then it usually settles down into two and then you know whoever those two are kind of ends up you know switching off you know throughout the match but i i really enjoyed um you know edge as kind of uh, of the unhinged you know 
elder of the three. Um, mm-hmm. I thought there was, I, I thought it was great involvement from Jay Uso with him just kind of sticking his nose and everything and just, you know, finally getting the crap kicked out of him, you know, in, in the early part of the match. But, but the way they did it, like taking him out, like where they had the medical staff come in. So you're like, okay, he's, he's no longger a factor. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was really smart the way they did that because it then made his, his return at the end all that more surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought there were some great sequences. You know, Brian, you know, kicking both guys, you know, doing his, his kind of, you know, Daniel Bryan, like, stiff kick, you know, just kind of trading between the two of them was was cool. Um, the the powerbomb to Brian, then followed by the spear by Edge on Reigns was just in, was just such a great sequence. Um, yes, that was good. That was out, that was a bit outside the ring, right? That was a yes, powerbomb through the yes, table, right? Okay. Yes. I loved the double submission where you had Edge doing the crossface, and not just the crossface, but he takes like at first I thought it was just like a mistake where where this bar falls off this this chair, and like even Edge's reaction was hysterical. He grabs his chair. Yeah. Reigns rips it away, and Edges looks at his hand like, "I still have a part of the chair. What happened?" Um, and, well, and, would you look at that? And so, and so they have a sequence where where they battle, and then Edge gets him into the crossface maneuver, and they're within reach of it. So he grabs the the, the piece of the chair and he puts it in Reigns' mouth, and then just like leans back just to add leverage. It was just like fantastic, like and a then, bit in a horse's mouth. It was cr- yes. yeah. And then he's about to tap, and then Daniel Bryan grabs his hand, stops it, throws him into the yes lock simultaneously. Yeah. And I mean, the 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 look. I mean, then Reigns' eyes are bugging out of his head. It was <laughs> it was such a great sequence. Yeah, um, like that was just great booking. That that was just fantastic booking of you know the, those guys throwing that, those maneuvers together. Um, it was great to see Edge break out the old concerto from from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, as a way to kind of finish off his opponents. And, you know, that, that back and forth, like, chair smack that Edge was doing was just awesome. And then finally, the coup de gras, you got Jey Uso sticking his nose in again, ruining the, the, the concerto, but now Edge suffers it and Reigns stacks his opponents and pins them both to establish himself as the, the true tribal chief. Although, although I will say astute fans today have pointed out on Twitter, technically... Edge pinned Daniel Bryan. Yeah, but you know that isn't. I, mean, I know, but it's just kind of funny. Anyways, I gave this I, one. F- I, I I did yeah. think about that. I was wondering if that would actually play out in real time somehow, or or you know for Raw tonight or something. How that would because we're recording this on Monday night. I was wondering if that was going to play out, but no, uh, like zero they're on chance. SmackDown, so we're we're not going to get a ruling until Friday, unfortunately. Oh, okay, but but uh, overall, very entertaining main event. I I thought it was. Uh, you know, just great action by all three, and and I thought it was a, a really, really well done match. Uh, so I'm going to give this uh, four and a half stars uh, as the main event. That's right. You're wrong. Book it. Uh, four and I'm, a half. I'm good. I'm going to need a sample. We need to do some drug testing immediately. <laughs> oh, what, what is your rating? All right. So first of all, I got it. I got. Well, it's I Roman Reigns, so it's negative fifty already. So. I need to point this out. I, I've, I, again, now you might have, folks listening earlier might have been a little confused. I probably should have pointed this out. When I was saying that it took Randy Orton one and a quarter Undertakers to get to the ring, that is the measure of time that I use when someone takes an inordinately long time, is the, the Undertaker entrance, who is the, of probably the longest 
walk to the ring and and to start a match and and to me that's like okay that's the bar like you don't go any you don't even come up close to that because there was only one guy who could pull that off and make it entertaining like it was legit like kind of spine tingling every single time he did it don't go over that roman reigns took three undertakers to get to the ring and in the ring and get this thing started ridiculous utterly ridiculous and unnecessary like they need to stop doing that immediately like take his time all that but what he's doing right now is taking so long that again you're getting past heel heat and you're getting to go away heat like i just can't stand when this guy's on the screen at all like i just wish he didn't work here anymore because it's it's so ridiculous and lame like it's just it's there's there's no reason for it. He's the tribal um, chief. I don't care if he's the head like, of the, the table. I don't care if he's waiting tables. Like wh- whatever, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It's 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 lame. Like there's just certain points where it's like you you're taking it to such an extreme that you've gone you've gone past being deliberate and trying to make him seem like a badass who doesn't care to just like why is this taking so long? I hate this. Like I just I'm. I don't even I don't I actually want to change the channel, you know. Really the only reason like I I kept watching at that point was because we had this podcast. Otherwise I would have turned it off. Like I'm done. I I cannot watch this guy slow walk to the ring, take 10 minutes to get up the stairs, dub around and do this and that. No, it's just not worth it anymore. I'll go watch Happy Gilmore again for like the 100th time, you know. I'll feel much better about my life afterwards. You know, I I thought that overall good action i do like the fact that it felt like they did manage to to tweak the triple threat match formula a little bit to keep it interesting not enough that it really makes that much of a difference it was still the same kind of thing what i have a complaint with here is the way that they end the match and and it goes back to the when when we talked about kevin owens and roman reigns like the the end of the match can make or break you you know Mm -hmm. and here once again, and not because they couldn't get some stupid handcuffs un- undone this time, but Roman Reigns is getting his butt kicked by two guys, and then all of a sudden gets to a point where he dominates so much that he pins both of them, stacks them up, pins them, and, and all of a sudden now he's this big dominant dude when he just spent like the last five minutes getting his tail kicked in. That's too much. That makes no sense to me. Like, okay, he, if he pins Edge or he pins Daniel Bryan or whoever, pick one of them and just have that be the pin and it and not make it like such a dominant thing. Like, dude, you just got your butt handed to you and you had to have your, your, your buddy there helping you out and all this and you're trying to put him over like he's some monster. He isn't, but yet you're giving him that finish. That's and the I get beauty it. Like, of his heel character. But it's not the beauty of his heel character because at a certain point it's like, You've got to pick. You just can't say like, oh, no, he's this, he's this heel character who he's dominant and this and that and the other. It's like if he's going to cheat, you got to make it a little more obvious than this. You got to make it more conniving or something. You can't like try and be all things to all people because you know what he's doing? He's not doing any of it that well. And people, I, I think, legitimately just don't like the guy. Like, not that they don't like the character or that he has heat. They're just like, I am sick of you pushing this guy down my throat he borders on becoming compelling as a character but never quite gets over the hump and i'm i am baffled because at this point i was kind of like i've managed to actually turn around on this guy a little bit where i used to just have a vehement like genetic level dislike of roman reigns and i've managed to work my way through that thanks to therapy and medication and well his character becoming a little more interesting but bourbon 
Well, that doesn't hurt either. That's the medication I was talking. I can't afford all that other stuff. But I really don't know what to think about this character at this point. Like, there's no clear avenue of of what direction you're going and how you're trying to portray this guy. I just feel like this is a guy who I'm like, is there another McMahon like daughter that we don't know about? Or is there a McMahon like cousin that he's engaged to or something? Because this feels very much like a Triple H sort of thing. Like he's just going to beat everybody and he's going to hold the championship forever because he's now family with Vince or something. I, I, Vince loves him and Vince knows he's going to draw him money. It's, but it's just baffling to me because I'm like, it, it feels stagnant. It really feels stagnant what they're doing mm-hmm. with this because now we've seen him go through this guy and that guy and this other guy. And like you had a hell of a match with him and Kevin Owens. Well, where's Kevin Owens now? Fighting for nothing. And then you, you have him going up against Edge and probably next month Edge will be fighting for nothing, you know, or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but it seems like this guy just continues to stay on top and nothing ever really amounts to anything except I'm the head of the table and this and that. It's like, okay. So obviously, like, you're just, Vince loves you, and that's it. Okay. I, I'm just, I'm very confused as to how to take this guy now, because I, I'm back to the point of, like, I, I just don't care. I really don't care. Because I, I, there's zero drama, because I don't think anything's going to happen. He's going to keep having the title. All right. Anyways, so I gave it three stars. It could have been better. I gave it a lot of, I gave it a lot, most of those three stars for all of the action before the finish. I think it could have been a four-star match. That's still a high rating for you, given that Roman Reigns was in the match. So I'm impressed. Well, because I think, again, Daniel Bryan, even though he's a guy, he's like Julian Edelman on a a protein shake binge. I don't know what to think of this guy. I I don't particularly enjoy his work. I feel like he's extremely limited in what he does. But damn, if he just doesn't pair well with anybody like it seems like he could have a good friggin match with a coat rack i don't know he's got some sort of magical power about him and edge i loved what he was doing in this kind of being that unhinged thing like you mentioned um i really enjoyed them and i even enjoyed you know just the way that that roman reigns was working two-thirds three-quarters of the way through the match but the finish it just to me was like no you did not earn that you did not earn that dominant of a finish where you stack them up like cord wooden you know the only thing that would have been that would have taken it even worse that would have actually made me throw my remote control through my tv is if it had been like stack them up and then just put one foot on their chest to pin like if it had been something like that because that's almost what it felt like and to me that's just like no you 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 didn't earn that he's doing his job though he makes you hate you or it makes you hate him not not even that I hate the character. Like I just can't stand like what he's what the what they're doing with the character. Like on a kind of a meta level. Like I just I I'm I'm confused and just aggravated. It's not that I hate the character like it's like oh the character you love to hate. Like no, I just I can't stand this. Like it's just confusing and just gets me frustrated cuz I'm like, well, there's not really much drama involved in this guy cuz I don't believe anyone's going to beat him. Well, but when someone does beat him it's going to mean something. Yeah, and when the hell's that going to happen? When we're when we're all old and gray, and you know, apparently maybe when Vince goes to the sweet by and by, which we all know isn't going to happen. Vince has got enough money; they're basically going to just going to like harvest his head, put it in a jar, and he'll be roaming around running the WWE in like twenty twenty one eighty three. That's that's I mean Triple H. I think it's hilarious. Like Triple H thinks he's going to take over. It's like Triple H ain't not that ain't going to happen. Vince is going to bury us all. I hate to hate to tell you it's going to be it's going to be Keith Richards cockroaches and Vince McMahon's head in a jar. That's how the world's <laughs> going to end. That's it. That's it. I'm not a prophet, but I I've got money on that one. I'm that's feeling funny. pretty good about it too. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, 
I'd actually do an average of the stars, but uh, where you oh, rated oh, one that's right. No, 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 no <laughs> never mind. Where I, are we I can't, at? I must be negative 100, right? You're, I mean, you're negative 875 <laughs> on the steel cage. <laughs> it just throws everything off. I just blew the, blew the bell curve all to hell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say overall it, it was probably a, a much better event than, than uh, well, I, I shouldn't compare it to last year because last year they had to do it in front of, a, in front of no crowd. So that's that that's really not a fair comparison, but there there was a lot of quality matches. So uh, so I think it was it it, it it stands as one of the better events in recent memory. Oh, okay. And another thing. No, I was just going to ask what you had for and another thing. Uh, well, keeping with the theme of wrestling, I you know several weeks back, I've been trying to work my way through all of the WWE Untold stories that are on uh, no longer WWE Network, but on the Peacock. Ah, um, uh, yes. But one that I watched that I really enjoyed was uh, "That's Got to Be Kane," which is the story of Glenn Jacobs and his journey uh, to becoming the recently minted as a Hall of Famer in 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. Kane character, you know Jacob's a very humble guy. Very much, you know, every interview I see him in, he he is very deferential to uh, the Undertaker and and just the impact he that he had on the, the man had on his career and his character, and uh, and and just just a great story um, to understand how this character came to be and what he had to go through to get to that point. One thing I really thought was 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 cool was especially the end where um, where he basically had you know basically re- relates a story of you know a parent you know telling him how much of an impact that he had on on their child who who unfortunately passed away from from a health issue but but just mm-hmm. just how he gave that child hope and um, and how that child just you know really enjoyed his character and that sort of thing and. And and just how emotional he got about it, like just just the fact, like like it blows his mind that he can that he has that kind of reach, you know, in in terms of people's lives and stuff like that, mm-hmm. was just very very cool to to just watch and and you know see the human side of this person and really understand how he puts his whole career kind of in perspective and and I even watched, you know, and, and and you never know when some of this stuff is done up for for the cameras or whatever, but they I I, I watched the. The reveal when uh, the the Undertaker on one of the kind of online YouTube shows that they do, the WWE does, um, where the Undertaker told him he was going to be inducted. And Glenn Jacobs, the man, when he hears the news, is just like dumbfounded and and just he he just gets very emotional. You know, he just seems Mm -hmm. like an emotional guy who who just understands. I mean, the one thing he said was it's all because of Mark. You know, I mean, this is like this Mark Calloway, the Undertaker. He's like, this is, you know, all because of you. And, and, you know, he he just he he, uh, just has a very humble spirit about everything. And I and I think that's just a. A very cool characteristic to see in, in in someone who who has such a you know very public facing sort of role. So, anyways, uh, if if you I've rum, I've rambled on a bit here, but it, but it's it, it's a it's a cool story. I mean, I for me that's what I like. I like to see the humanity in these guys and and gals and you know there there are human being you know they're larger than life characters on tv but they're human beings behind the scenes and it's it's i i always enjoy those stories of how they get to where they are and and just that you know their their perspective on things so wwe untold that's gotta be kane yeah that and such a great character and i love how 
at, at the induction or the little ceremony they had on TV before this, and then at WrestleMania when they brought them all out and they let him do the pyro one more time. That was especially like when he came out on the stage and he kind of looked off stage almost like, is it okay if I do it one more time? I do it <laughs> my, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is just like so playing with house money. Like, you, because yeah. I mean, yeah. when he started this, this character, like he had just come off of what? Fake Diesel and Isaac Yankum. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's like, yeah, I could totally be bagging groceries or working <laughs> working in a warehouse somewhere. One of, one of the best debuts of a character in, in, in the company. One, oh, one, totally. I mean, just, I mean, even today, 20, 25 years later, it is one of the best debuts of any character. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, a lot of that is Undertaker, even just in that moment, selling it like he had just, he has seen a ghost. And, yes, and, yes. And you didn't see Undertaker react to anything, really. Mm-hmm. And to have that look of fear, I mean, because that's something that he was very protective about that character. And to be able to to do that, I mean, that goes miles yep. in terms of getting getting Kane out ahead yep. as a character. Yeah, totally. That, that, I've got to make sure I, I watch that. And how about you, sir? Uh, well, this is uh, a little short one, I guess, for me this week, uh, because uh, Dumpster Funk, uh, another one of bands that I, I like to follow. And sometimes sometimes you lose track of stuff that's happening. And especially over the last year, it's kind of easy to. But uh, Dumpster Funk has got a new album coming out, and one of the new singles off of that is called Do You. And oh my gosh, a lot of folks, folks might not know who the meters are, but New Orleans-based band that just is so funky. And, and this song is just just so meters like it hurts which it, there's a good reason why because the meters had a lot of representation from the Neville family in it and uh, Dumpster Funk is led by Ivan Neville who uh, has been around for a long time worked with a lot of people and um, just such a great band so funky and so good and just kind of know what their thing is and they find a groove and then they're like that's a song and we'll put some words here and there but it's just listen to this and oh my goodness, I could just, I looped this song about three or four times the first time I heard it. It's just so good, so tasty. So uh, go cram that in your ear hole nice. and uh, you'll thank me later. Nice. Well, we have now come to the end of our time here. Uh, thank you for joining us here with the uh, Free Range Idiocy Congregation as we have read from the Holy Scriptures of Vinsanity for the past few hours. I'm glad you uh, said it because I was going to. It's it was a trip, man. Just a whole weekend of of seeing what Vince has done. What has what hath Vince wrought um, and upon the world, upon the masses? And as we've as we've discussed, some good, some really good, and some. Oh dear God, why? What did, what did I do? Why is this penance? Is this penance? I knew I shouldn't have stolen that candy bar in fifth grade. Um, but thank you all for tuning in and listening. We really do appreciate it. We appreciate you for coming along in the journey. If you have not yet subscribed, be sure to subscribe to our humble little podcast here on the mm-hmm. interwebs. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. If you go to freerangeidc.com, that is all of our episodes in one tidy, neat little place. Go download them several dozen times. Tell friends. Tell enemies, tell frenemies, tell members of your family, strangers that you meet on the streets if you happen to be out and about. And, you know, just spread the word of idiocy. 
Well, wait, no, that didn't come out right. But spread the word about the podcast, and you know we'll take care of the idiocy. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, outright offers, offers of bribery, any suggestions for what you'd like to hear us yammer on about, be sure to send those at, to Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com. He will get back to you forthwith, if not sooner. And now we've hit the portion of the show where I finally stop talking, and the congregation yells out, Hallelujah! <laughs> about damn time! Let the other dude talk. Don't you ever take a breath? Um, and uh, I like to think back over the entirety of this show. I like to go over all the matches that we've had, all the things that we have we have talked about and discussed, and kind of just sort of just chewed on these subjects for a while. And I like to try and clear my mind for a minute and say, what "The hell did we learn this evening?" Well, my friend, we've learned the following. Ah, good. I'm always glad when you can tell me these things. Marvel, there are big T's with the X-Men and this whole Madripoor fiasco. Mm-hmm. Big T's. Big, uh, big. Huge. WrestleMania, entertaining, but I think two nights is too long. <laughs> you think? Just a smidge. <laughs> just a smidge. You know what I think? You know what I think they ought to do? Like, let's just let's totally go in on the endurance factor next year. Just put it all in one night, but still keep it the same length. Let's see. Let's see how committed to this premise they are, and how many people can last through six hours of wrestling. Oh my gosh! <laughs> we'll, oh. we'll do that live as a fundraiser and see if we can make it. It'll be like the Jerry Lewis telethon. Oh, good lord! <laughs> By the end, we'll both have have the shirt unbuttoned, the tie askew. <laughs> glass of bourbon like may, may as well do ah. some may, may as well have some good outcome to, to us you know wasting all this time sitting on the couch watching these, these, you know, the, the event, but. yeah we'll have to we'll have to oh. see if we can raise some money for charity for as we're punishing ourselves we have also learned yes uh uncle todd is yes. particular about when someone is at versus in tampa bay so please when you refer to such things make sure you use the proper preposition yeah. Oh well. Good for you with a preposition. Now next week we're going to identify what a gerund is. <laughs> My gosh, I haven't heard the term gerund for <laughs> twenty some odd years. <laughs> You're like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I haven't heard that word for a long time. A long and finally, time. let it not be ever misunderstood and mistaken about Uncle Todd's disdain of Roman Reigns. It knows no bounds. So these are a few of the things that we have we have gathered, we have gained, we have learned from this episode. So with that being said, thank you again to our listenership for the downloads this past week. They're always appreciated and always encouraged. Mm-hmm. And as we typically will uh, leave the the range of, of idiocy that, that we are on, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And as always, because let's face it, after six hours of insanity, we can't do it. Please hit the lights on the way out. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Give me my cheese wheels, boy. (laughs) Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. Can we help Steven get a peek? Just a, <laughs> that's it. What the hell was that? You're wrong. Well, 
I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Damn! Well, well. How the hell are you? Wyatt, I am rolling. I did find the one part with 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 RVD and they're pretty funny when when he's like, "Hey, what about these RVD rolling papers?" I'm like, "Oh, of course. Of course he had to Rub. sneak that in there on WrestleMania, didn't you?" <laughs> Rob, I mean, didn't you already Isn't this how you already got stripped of a title? <laughs> Didn't you learn anything? <laughs> Good lord. Oh my gosh. Oh. Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. 